Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare when you buy kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What's happening? My name is Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. That's about all you need to know, really. It is the Jason Martin Show here with you for the next four hours. Wherever you happen to be, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. The crew out in Los Angeles, Ricky Herrera, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley. They're the trifecta. They're spinning the Dallas radio style for me. We're brought to you by Discover. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, which is... That's about as good as it gets now that Discover's accepted 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I think there's five college football games today now that we are, at least where I am, I guess we're still an hour away from it being Saturday on the West Coast. Here, it's football Saturday. There's five games. Yes, I know. Maybe not the most enticing matchups, but we don't care. These games actually count, folks. These wins and losses matter. We're that close. We're less than two weeks away from opening day, the Thursday night football game in the NFL. Our long national nightmare is over. Football's back. And Jameis is the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. And that's really where I want to start because, one, I'm glad Sean Payton got this right. I've made no bones about the fact that I don't really care for the Taysom Hill starting quarterback experiment. It didn't make sense to me. Taysom Hill being a gadget guy, being a guy that can come in from time to time and do some exciting things and some important things, I understand the value of that. I never got why you were taking your starting quarterback off the field as often as you were with the Saints unless it was just for Sean Payton to try and show how smart he was. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So throughout this thing, I've been pulling for Jameis. 
Jameis looked good in the preseason, on Monday especially, and now he's QB1. And you hear there was congratulations behind the scenes. There were a lot of fist pounds to Jameis from other players. I think the players also knew. And I think that Taysom Hill is more valuable when he's employed sparingly. But I think the story here is more than who ends up QB1 and more about what it means for the new QB1. At least for week one, James Winston has his opportunity. This is a former number one draft pick where it didn't go according to plan in Tampa Bay. Sometimes and and oftentimes in life, you know, it just doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. Sometimes it goes better. A lot of times it goes worse because you have lofty dreams as a kid. You want to be an astronaut. I know I did. When they asked me very early what I thought I would do, I wanted to go to the moon. But the other thing I said was, I'm going to be Tom Brokaw. I said that in church. When I was asked what I was going to do, I was like, I'm going to be Tom Brokaw. I guess I got close to that. Not exactly in Tom Brokaw's chair, but closer to it than a lot of folks that are trying to decide what they want to do when they're in kindergarten. But Jameis goes number one overall, and it's supposed to be, you know, he's going to be a franchise kind of player. And it never really happened. It was a conglomeration of calamities for Jameis Winston. Yeah, you can talk about the crab legs and have fun with that, but just on the field. A lot of turnovers, not a lot of wins in Tampa Bay. And and most of the, I guess, vitriol towards it went to Jameis himself. Seemed like he, well, he became the scapegoat for all of it, despite the fact that coaching staffs aren't there anymore. A lot of the guys he was playing with aren't there anymore. Yes, he threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, but you knew... There were times when you watched him where you realized why he was the number one pick. He was a very boom or bust kind of guy. The question that I don't think was ever talked about enough was how much of the bust came down to him trying to play hero ball and doing too much, trying to make a play. That can be a real problem for somebody coming out of college that just seemingly had every answer, at least till the end. You get to the NFL, it doesn't always work that way. It's the same thing with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. He gets out of Alabama, he goes to the NFL, and he finds out that Alabama Open is not a thing. Receivers don't get Alabama Open in the NFL unless the guy covering them is about to be out of a job. And I don't mean next year, I mean next week. It just doesn't happen. You have to alter your game plan. Mac Jones is going to figure the exact same thing out. Mac Jones, at times, in a preseason... You've seen him waiting for somebody to break open in the way he's used to, not realizing, no, that guy's already open. The one that's only got about a step on the corner, that that guy's open. Like The ball's got to be in his hands right now. It's a completely different universe from level to level, especially when you make the jump from college to NFL. Yes, the, the systems now do favor guys that have come out of college systems better than maybe they used to because they employ a lot more of those concepts. They're a lot more wide open. But it's still a major learning curve. Jameis comes in at number one, but it wasn't all, it just, it wasn't great. It wasn't great for him, and it wasn't great for the second pick, Marcus Mariota, either. Marcus Mariota's back up. 
and he's but unfortunately for him, he's back up to a quarterback that's about the same age, whereas Jameis backed up a Hall of Famer who was already one foot out the door with the Saints and who gave him all the advice he could have possibly asked for. Jameis has been asked this offseason, you know, what's the most important thing you learned from Drew Brees? You know what he said? He said, he told me, I, I didn't always have to be Batman. I can be Robin. Meaning there's other guys on the team that can play Batman on a given day. It doesn't always have to be you. As often as we credited Drew Brees, think about the talent that he's had, the guys that he's thrown to, and at times I think he has let those guys stand under the spotlight on the stage and he's just kind of been part of the show. And then at other times, he's been the one with the spotlight. Because as a quarterback, you are going to have that opportunity. As a matter of fact, you have the opportunity to do it every single step of the way, but it might not be in your best interest. And immediately when I thought of that for Jameis, I thought about Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and how at many occasions, Russell Westbrook was not willing to not have the spotlight on him. And that caused friction, not just with Durant, but it led to a lot of guys standing around not being particularly productive for Scott Brooks's teams. And eventually it bit them in the worst possible way because guys that aren't really used to having to do much being called into action when Russ has a bad game against Golden State in a closeout game, that's the kind of thing that leads you to a Game 7 instead of winning that series in 6 and then losing in Game 7 and then Durant heading to Golden State. But James Winston is getting the rare second opportunity where he sat for a year and now he's a starter again. And I'm sure he understands this, but if he doesn't and he happens to be listening to Fox Sports Radio right now, James, this is it, buddy. This is the one. This is the one a lot of people don't get. This is a second chance to play starting quarterback for one of 32 NFL teams in the United States of America. I don't think there will be a third, Jameis. You've got an all-time great offensive mind as your head coach. You have a pretty solid offensive line. You've got an amazing Swiss Army knife talent in Alvin Kamara. When Michael Thomas comes back, you have an unbelievable pair of hands and a knack for, for, for catching the football even in traffic, despite not having blazing speed in Michael Thomas. You've got what you need. you got Marquez Callaway, young stud, I believe, out of the University of Tennessee. That, that I think is going to show out this year and is going to be a sleeper for fantasy folks later in the draft. This is the chance. This is the opportunity. How many guys wish they could get this shot and never do? I mean, Sam Darnold didn't go well for him. You're watching him in the preseason right now. Sam Darnold has his second opportunity right now. The difference here. Look, if you're a number one draft pick, maybe you're going to get the benefit of the doubt a little bit more. Darnold was essentially a number one draft pick, but not quite. He walked into a situation where they were getting rid of a bridge quarterback. They were looking for something, and they felt like, okay, change of scenery, I still believe in this guy. And I thought the same thing about Darnold. 
I might end up being wrong on that one. Definitely. But if you're number one draft pick, somebody has to think you've got talent. And again, we know James Winston has talent. Can he reel in the mistakes? Can he throw it away a few more times, live to fight another down instead of throwing it to the other jerseys? If he can limit his turnovers, he can be dangerous because he's got arm talent. He's got skill. He's got confidence. And now he's got a coach that can really lead him properly as a quarterback. And he sat behind, even though he was the number one pick, and even though he played a lot of NFL games and started a lot of NFL games, he sat behind Drew Brees. He sat behind an all-time great. He also sat behind a guy that was second-guessed a little bit in his first spot before he ended up in New Orleans. But again, this is the shot. I don't know there's a third starting job out there for Jameis Winston unless the second one goes well. This is not a dress rehearsal. From week one on, it's Jameis' show. It's his job to hold on to. I don't think he's got a stranglehold on the job. If it doesn't go well for a few weeks, we might see that Taysom Hill guy. As much as that makes my eyes roll. But Jameis does now have to prove the decision to give him this opportunity correct. He has to validate it. Time will tell whether or not he's actually able to do that. But I'm glad he's getting the shot. What I've seen from Jameis since he got to the Saints, I've liked. And every time I say nice things about Jameis, they always point back to, yeah, well, this happened inside of an Uber and all this other stuff. I'm not suggesting that it didn't. I'm suggesting that in 2021, whatever might have happened in the past isn't something that I can just hold against him forever, not knowing all of the circumstances around it, not knowing if he has, you know, repented or grown from it or matured from it. It doesn't absolve him of any mistakes that he may or may not have made. It doesn't absolve him of the severity of those mistakes. It just means I don't know how I can factor that into what I'm seeing now. I'm saying that the guy that I see now, I kind of like. And I feel like has, you know, taken some knocks in his life and in his career. And he just seems to be kind of a fun guy right now. Certainly, that doesn't mean anything more than the statement that I just made. I'm not trying to speak deep or philosophically or anything else. I'm just saying that this Jameis Winston seems like a guy that that has matured a little bit, but that is still having some fun playing football. And a lot of guys that go through what Jameis has gone through at this stage in his career, being maligned, throwing a lot of picks, not seeing much playoff success, all of that stuff, after being a number one pick, a lot of guys crumble in that situation. Jameis is getting a second opportunity. He's had a smile on his face. He's danced in camp. We've seen all these crazy workout videos and all this. And they're hilarious. I think the comparison to me for Jameis Winston, is JaVale McGee. JaVale can play, especially a few years ago. JaVale could really play. Like He he could help out a team. But he did all these kind of goofy things that would land him on TNT as the butt of the Inside the NBA crew's jokes. 
And for JaVale, a lot of times he didn't take it in stride. He didn't like it. Jameis kind of takes it in stride and almost sort of leans into it a little bit. And maybe I appreciate that as well. He's sort of, it's all right to be a goofball in the right context. And I just feel like his heart seems to be in a pretty good place right now. I'm hoping I'm right about that. You don't know. I'm just observing from afar what I'm seeing in Jameis. But more than anything, I'm just glad that the guy's getting a second opportunity. I don't think there will be a third. But the Saints got this right. Sean Payton did what Sean Payton absolutely had to do, which is he put an actual quarterback in as QB1 instead of a gadget guy. He got it right. That's a coach that got it right. When we come back out of this break, a coach that seems to be getting it all kinds of wrong in the state of Florida... Are we about to witness the train wreck of all train wrecks in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer? We go there next. My name is Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Wherever you happen to be listening, I appreciate it. 
We appreciate it across Fox Sports Radio. I'm on Twitter at JMart Radio. It's where you can find me. A little incubus for you. I'll take that. So we had a little bit of positivity there in that first segment. Talking about Jameis Winston getting a, a second opportunity to be a starting quarterback for an NFL team. And now the positivity may come to an end. Not for the entire show, but at least for the next, let's say, 10 minutes. I don't know what's going on in Jacksonville, but I know it's not good. I know Urban Meyer is a hell of a football coach. I just don't know if that means he can coach in the NFL or not. I know what he's capable of in college at smaller universities and at the largest of universities. I also know scandal has followed him. Pushing the buck somewhere else has followed him. And whispers behind the scenes that it's not so much fun to play for him have followed him. This hadn't been a good week for him. But pretty much this experiment in Jacksonville so far. And and, and the the overarching feeling about all this is how in the world is he going to deal with losing double digit games? Like even if Jacksonville is vastly improved, they're going to go like five and twelve, like seven and nine. Erect a statue with a the guy. Their offensive line's hideous. It's not as bad as Cincinnati's last year, but you're still hearing the same kind of claims of "Oh boy, they should maybe just not even play Trevor Lawrence this year." And there's also weird takes out there about how Trevor Lawrence is proving he's going to be a bust. You go ahead and keep those. I'm going to I'm gonna stay on the side of Trevor Lawrence. It's not going to be a bust, but good luck with that. There's the Tim Tebow experience, which I don't know if Urban, in the back of his mind, thought that was going to work, whether it was a little bit of publicity, whether it was trying to help a friend out, whether it was a little bit of all these things. But it wasn't ever going to happen, and it was a joke when you actually saw it in action in a preseason game. And Tebow thanked him for the opportunity and thanked the NFL for giving him another chance. And now he moves off to make millions on television and speaking engagements and everywhere else. He's going to be fine. But is Urban going to be fine? His week started with Travis Etienne, a weird draft pick. Considering what was already in existence in Jacksonville and how much they needed to try and find help to protect Trevor Lawrence. Travis Etienne's season is over because of a list, Frank. Travis Etienne wasn't even being used in a preseason. Not to any real effect. That's a first-round pick. And I'm not sure that they knew what they wanted to do with him. Dating back to Urban saying, oh, he, he could be a nice third down back for us. Really? You're going to draft a third down back in the first round of the NFL draft? What are you doing? You don't have unlimited scholarships here, Herb. Like, it's a little bit different than it used to be. So he deals with that, and I hate that for Travis Etienne because I, I, I really want to see what he can do in the pros. I loved watching him at Clemson, and I hate that for any young player. NFL career just about to get started, and the door then closes for a year. 
And then you have this kind of piece that's hit over the last few days. You've seen the quotes that there are some players inside the Jacksonville locker room who don't really appreciate how Urban Meyer is coaching them. And if you're surprised by this, I have no idea why you would be. Urban Meyer coaches like a college coach, it seems like, in the NFL, where the dudes that he is trying to dominate make more money than he does and aren't going to listen to this crap. And then you go back, and if you have ever talked to people that played for Urban, yes, you're going to get the Tebos, but you're also going to get those guys that are like, man, he sold me and he sold my family such a bill of goods, and then we got there and he wouldn't look twice at me. If I wasn't a starter, I didn't exist on that roster. He didn't have time to know my name. Dismissive. Combative. Surly. All of that. And you can do that if you're Bill Belichick. And look, you can do that if you're Urban Meyer in college. Because the bona fides were there. But you get to the NFL and the bona fides are gone. Because I don't care what you did at Ohio State once you get to the NFL. Like, that's great. I don't care what you did at Florida or anywhere else. And yeah, the success is undeniable. But is it going to translate? That's the story because there's a lot more examples of this not working than the rare one or two where it did. Does he come in and play Jimmy Johnson? Or does he come in and play Steve Spurrier? But players that don't like the coaching style... Well, I mean, when you hear about win-loss drills and all the stuff that he's doing, and then you go back to his history, yeah, I imagine that probably isn't working great. But you do have this unicorn quarterback. And back to that comment that I saw from some media personality about how Trevor Lawrence has proven he's going to be a bust. If so, it's going to be the greatest bust, the biggest bust in the history of the NFL because of the level of hype that has surrounded Trevor Lawrence. And if so, it's hard to imagine a scenario in which Jacksonville didn't facilitate it happening. There are some busts where it's on them, and there are some busts where the circumstances didn't work out. You wonder how many guys that are in the Hall of Fame right now, quarterback position, or ones that are going to be in the Hall of Fame, could have very easily gone to half the other teams in the league and not had half the career that they did. Doesn't mean everybody's a system quarterback. Doesn't mean everybody is a product of their circumstances. But to some degree, they are. What are the circumstances right now in Jacksonville that are positive for the players there? Well, they've got Trevor as the quarterback. They don't have a talented offensive line to protect him, so you're worried about that. Him picking up pressure that he didn't have to account for all that often in college football. And weapons that the guys covering them are as good as his weapons. So again, a lot of the dudes that were Clemson open aren't going to be so in the NFL. But I've still liked a lot of what I've seen out of Trevor. But if you look at them in the preseason... This offense looks outdated. It looks dull. It looks uninspired. It looks DOA to me. 
it looks dead on arrival. And then you look, it's Daryl Bevel. And Bevel's done good things, but he also decided not to give Marshawn Lynch the football in that Super Bowl and say, let's throw it this way. Oh, that's Malcolm Butler. Whoops. And then there's Brian Schottenheimer. The same Brian Schottenheimer, whose very existence almost led to the absence of Russell Wilson being a Seattle Seahawk. His presence on that Seahawks offensive coaching staff almost lost Russell Wilson. Because he was... I mean, go back and think about those Seattle offenses over this last handful of years and how many times you talked about Russell Wilson being misused. It would be run the ball, run the ball. Uh, Use Russell Wilson as a decoy. And okay, it's third down and 20. Hey, Russ, bail us out of this. So Brian Schottenheimer goes from there to Urban's coaching staff where he's the passing game coordinator. And it ain't going well. And you're already hearing Urban doesn't really like the play calling. Gee, you think? Talk to the guys that that worked with Brian Schottenheimer in the past. And I don't know about his personality. It has nothing to do with his personality. This isn't a personal thing. This is a product thing. What is the product that Brian Schottenheimer has put on the field that makes you think, yep, that's the guy that's going to unlock our star quarterback? I'm unsurprised at how poorly this is going. I've kind of watched from the beginning, not not fully skeptical, because I know how talented and smart Urban Meyer is. But I'm starting to think this could be a one-and-done proposition. He might not make it to a second year. This is a guy that doesn't know how to lose, doesn't even understand the word. And he's going to lose double-digit games. And they're going to get embarrassed in a few of them. And I don't know how your mind can handle that. There's a lot of players, you know, players that don't lose, right? And then they get to the pros and they start losing and they, they just, it doesn't make sense to them anymore. It's like you're you're reading a foreign language. It's not the same game. Like, why? why? This isn't how this is supposed to be. We talked about Jameson, the first, he was the first pick. Not used to losing a whole lot. But Urban is an example of a guy who his last, what, five, six years as a coach, he probably hadn't lost as much as he might lose in his first year in Jacksonville. What exactly runs through your brain when it's wired a certain way and then you're in a new reality? And you're also in a new reality where the criticism and the skepticism are coming hard and fast across the country. And you have this quarterback talent that everybody thinks is a can't miss. And you've got rumblings of your guys who are going to continue. This is going to get louder. Winning shuts people up. Losing opens everybody's mouth. Media, fans, and oh yeah, dudes that are wearing Jacksonville uniforms. How many leaks are we going to get this year to members of the media of things that are happening behind the scenes if it doesn't go well early for that first month if it is a total disaster and if camp is running rampant now oh boy this thing could spiral out of control in a hurry but you think about all of it the win-loss drills and and totaling it all up like we're still in college where it did work 
but in the pros it's different. The Tebow experiment, ATN situation, which look, I mean, people are going to get hurt, but the the pick and the way he was being used in the preseason based on when he was selected, there was a lot to question there. The lack of protection for Trevor Lawrence that can't get any better right now. The offense that he doesn't like, he meaning Urban Meyer, but those are his coaches. And now players that don't really seem to be gravitating to his coaching style. I know it's preseason. I know you don't want to overrate preseason. But this thing doesn't look good, does it? I mean, at times you just have to fess up and realize you need a haircut, right? Like, sometimes, no, that's that's a me thing. It's gotten out of control here. Class pictures are coming up. I better get this thing right. Jacksonville's one of those teams where I'm side-eyeing now, and I'm just like, how bad is this going to get? And how, how many how many stories are we going to read this year that are going, to, that are going to create great content for people like me? But are going to be, oh boy, cringe emoji, cringe emoji, cringe emoji. I'm talking three on the same tweet for everybody associated with the Jaguars franchise. Luckily, AEW is rolling, so they, they so they got that going for them which is nice. We'll talk a lot about that a little bit later on in this program. Let's go to Brian Fenley out in Los Angeles, find out the latest in the world of sports. What's trending to be? Jason, what is trending right now? It's a little past 11.30 Pacific p.m., and we have one Major League Baseball game still happening. It is in the bottom of the 12th inning. Mariners are batting, and they are trailing the Royals 8-6 to in Seattle with one out. They have a runner on third base, and at the top half of this frame, Edward Olivares hit a two-run blast for KC to go up 8-6. to As far as completed games to mention the Rockies take it to the Dodgers four to two in the bottom of the ninth LA had a runner on second base Mookie Betts he got to second after that wild pitch and with no outs then three straight strikeouts to finish off the game the Padres axed the Angels five to nothing Joe Musgrove in on the mound for San Diego he pitched a three hitter nine strikeouts to his resume the Yankees bust out to a 13 game winning streak after they dent the the A's 8-2. The Twins overcome the Brewers 2-0. Josh Donaldson poking a two-run homer. How about the White Sox beating the Cubs in a football score? 17-13. Yasmani Grandal had eight RBI. And the Giants see their five-game winning streak come to an end after face-planting to the Braves 6-5. All the Astros score five unanswered to tame the Rangers 5-4. As far as some NFL preseason action from Friday, Patrick Mahomes got some playing time. Two touchdowns, one going to Tyree Kill, who was able to slither his way up the sideline. 35 yards for the score. The Chiefs winners against the Vikings 28-25. The Jets sat out Zach Wilson and they end up with a tie after a late Hail Mary from James Morgan to Kenny Yaboa, the undrafted former Ole Miss Rebel who's in the end zone and just comes up with it. Then a two-point conversion ties it up at 31. And of course, according to the new rules in preseason football, there is no OT. And I think a lot of fans are happy to hear that. Uh, Sam Darnold, two touchdown passes as he boosted his confidence against the Steelers' second straight 
stringers. 34-9, Panthers win. Carolina played basically all their starters except Christian McCaffrey in the first half, and Pittsburgh set just about all their top players. And afterwards, Pittsburgh head coach Mike Tomlin called his performance and the team's performance, quote, a JV outing, close quote. And finally, the Lions continue to find ways to lose, and now they are 0-3 in this beautiful preseason, falling to the Colts 27-17. But Jason Sam Ellinger coming down with an injury with that knee issue, so we'll see how significant that is and how that will play into the fold here as we get to the regular season. You've got Carson Wentz, and you're trying to figure out what's going on with that Colts quarterback situation heading into the regular season. Yeah, but I mean, Carson Wentz is an Iron Man. If you've got him, <laughs> do you really need a backup quarterback? Yeah, he's built out of bricks. He never gets injured. He never no. doesn't show up when his team needs him in a critical clutch moment. Or wait. Yeah, or, or the exact opposite. <laughs> yes. that, that's also a possibility out there. We appreciate it. Um, I'm Jason Martin. This is the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. The side swipe at the Lions, Chris Perfett, who of course is out in L.A., one of the crew, pride of Detroit uh, with SB Nation. He works with that group and a uh, big Lions fan. So the side swipe of the Lions is one thing. I'll stay in the division, Chris, and bring you in for a second. The Vikings don't look good. I know it's the preseason, but for the last couple of years, I was talking to Jeff Schwartz, uh, Fox Sports Radio colleague and friend, this morning, and he was pointing out a couple of teams that you just look at the process and it looks off. Arizona's one of them. They looked just undisciplined and lethargic last year. They looked the same way this year. And Minnesota as well. You look at Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and some of the talent. That talent deserves better than I think the coaching is allowing them to be. But this whole but but the Vikings don't look good, man. Like that's your division, so that's your account. But I'm not really high on Minnesota right now at all. I don't really know many people who are. I think they probably finished second in that division. I don't think much of Chicago this year. I know I know Justin Fields has been wowing a lot of people, but that offensive line is going to get him into trouble real fast. Minnesota's problem seems to be like twofold. One, I don't think they're getting the same Kirk Cousin magic. I think that's finally yeah. kind of run out there. The other problem, too, is just a matter of it just seems to be age and who can really you know start for you on depth. They don't really have a lot of guys, you know... I this 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 is something funny about the Lions because the Lions didn't start any of their starters, whereas there was a couple guys for the Colts who were out there. Everyone's feeling out this third preseason game because mm-hmm. you remember it, when it was four games, it was okay. Third game is the dress rehearsal game. Fourth game, all the starters rest, and we just try to figure out depth. Some teams have taken it as the dress rehearsal game. Other teams like the Lions, they didn't start any starters out there today. So I think they're trying to figure it out, and maybe that's skewing us as we're looking at the Vikings here in the preseason. But when we've seen Kirk Cousins on the field, it hasn't been good. No. He played. He played today. He played like he made seven passes for like, what, five of seven passes, mm-hmm. but they were not for a lot of yards. Uh, you know, he got actually 57 is actually pretty good, actually. But still, like it's it's not it's a team that's kind of lost pieces over time and I'm just not sure what they're really set out to accomplish I do feel like you're right there's probably some coaching going on there that could probably stand to be improved but at the same time too like some of these guys are just getting 
I'm not saying that it's a team that's old, Jason, but it is definitely one that you wonder how much longer Minnesota's going to have their window open for. Yeah, now if the window is open at all, I mean, at least you got Justin Jefferson. You've still got Dalvin Cook, but he's dealt with injuries a lot during his career. I mean, those are your two brightest spots, certainly on offense, but I'm not not exactly sold there. And as we go into the break, Mike Tomlin saying that was a JV effort. Well, yeah, it was. You didn't play any of your starters, and they played all of theirs except Christian McCaffrey. That's the very definition of a JV effort. Like, And I don't even mean the results on the field. I mean, what you put out on the field was the JV against the varsity. So, apropos statement, definitely true. When we come back, man, yesterday, and actually it's still Friday on the West Coast, unbelievable music anniversaries of two of the great albums of our generation in the last 30 years probably in music. We'll talk about those when we come back a little bit to end the first hour of the Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. We got three more hours of the Jason Martin Show to get you started on your Saturday morning. It's still Friday on the West Coast for another 10 minutes, so enjoy it while it lasts. August the 27th. Pretty good day in music if you're around my age. I'm 42. I'll be 43 in October. 30 years ago today, on August the 27th, Pearl Jam released 10, which was my first favorite album of all time and my first favorite band of all time. 
like when I was in sixth grade, I think it was, and that came out, maybe it was seventh grade. That tape, I wore that tape out. I think I even had to replace it. And yes, tapes were a thing still. I did get a CD player around that same time. I think it was sixth grade, actually, because seventh grade, I, I think, is when I got my CD player for my birthday. And I didn't end up getting 10 for a while because I had it on tape and I didn't have the uh, disposable income to upgrade my quality of 10. But Pearl Jam's 10 came out 30 years ago today. 25 years ago today, Outcasts ATLians came out. I don't know, and I'm sure that somebody out there could could check on this, but two albums of that level of importance to music and to the communities that released on the same day of the year, I don't know that you can find a better duo than that. I mean, those are two all-time classic albums from two of the artists of this, you know, last three decades that stand the test of time. I remember, and I continue to think, you know, what music's going to be with us forever? What music's timeless? What music's sticking around? And I think, yeah, you know what? In 20 years, people are still going to hear Jeremy. They're still going to hear Even Flow. And they're still going to hear AT Aliens and Equimini and Stankonia and all of what Outkast did. I mean, those are iconic acts. And those aren't just throwaway records. Actually, No Code, which was the fourth Pearl Jam album, also came out on August the 27th, several years later. Because they would go versus Vitalogy and then they would bring out No Code. But 10 was the debut of debuts. Maybe, I mean, if you wanted to talk about great debut albums for a band, I don't know if 10 wins it for you, but it's got to be on the short list unless you just hate rock music, which, okay, that's fine. It may not float your boat. I understand that much. But great pop culture anniversaries. For Outkast and Pearl Jam, two bands that you will tell your kids about, your grandkids might still be able to hear them. I don't know if we're all just going to be listening to binary code at some point in the future. Once we all learn, we're just in the matrix. But that was worthy of mention in this first hour. Like if you just, if you uh, literally, like if for the rest of the show was nothing but Pearl Jam and Outcast music, I don't think there'd be a single listener out there that would be disappointed in that choice. And we came back with Stone Temple Pilots, which was right around the same period of time, obviously. That was Big Empty. Um, but yeah, 30th anniversary of 10 from Pearl Jam, which just makes me start thinking of middle school. And then AT Aliens, five years later, making me think of high school. I remember when Southern Cadillac came out, and then AT Aliens came out, and then Equimini hit when I was in college. Amazing, amazing stuff. So we talked a lot about coaches in the first hour of this show, and we talked about opportunities and quarterbacks with Jameis as well. We're going to open a second hour talking about a coach and a quarterback. In the NFC North, which you've also discussed a bit in this first hour, Matt Nagy and Justin Fields. Oh, there's so much to say. I'm looking forward to doing it. We'll do it here off the top of the second hour of the show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 
Hour number two of the program. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Glad to be with you on this Saturday. Now it's Saturday, even on the West Coast. 2 a.m. where I happen to be here in Nashville. 3 a.m. on the East Coast. Felt like I'd just give you a time zone lesson. Why not, right? Mountain, I'm not going to leave you out. It's 1 a.m. It's what they pay me to do around here. By the way, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. That's amazing. Discover's accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. 99. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. The entire break was me speaking with people out in Los Angeles about how much we love the Matrix. Because I mentioned it in, a, in an analogy earlier in the show. So now I want to talk about the Matrix. So that may happen. We got Matrix four hours. Resurrections, baby. Yeah, Matrix Resurrections. Mm. Here we go. There's a lot. There's a lot of segments on the show. Is what I'm saying. One of them might be devoted to, uh, especially the original Matrix. But Matt Nagy and Chicago. So it's going to be Justin Fields here in Nashville tonight because Andy Dalton is not going to play in the final preseason game because he is going to be the starter for Week One. A lot of theories as to why this is happening. When I first saw it, I'm like, well, they're playing the Rams in week one. That's Aaron Donald. Maybe you don't want to get Justin Fields killed after you had him have his block knocked off. He missed that protection in the uh, second preseason game. And Aaron Donald, well, he feasts on that kind of thing. But week three, you've got Miles Garrett with the Browns. And then you got Tampa Bay coming up later on as well. I could see Fields starting week four against Detroit and that being his actual debut. Um, if you get past the Rams, then you dodge Aaron Donald and you start against Cincinnati in week two. I could see that madness having a little bit of, uh, you know, brain power behind it as well, but more to the other theories and those that are in the know that say that Matt Nagy is trying to do what his mentor Andy Reid did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes in Kansas city, where he knows Fields is a guy, but he really kind of wants to stash him and let him learn underneath Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton runs his system for a year, knowing that it's going to be Justin Fields taking over next season. In theory, okay. In reality, nah. There's a few key differences between Kansas City and Chicago. One is Alex Smith had won a lot of games. Alex Smith had the highest QBR in the league, I believe. Highest passer rating as well. The Chiefs were in the playoffs, and Alex Smith was playing great. And Patrick Mahomes then took it over. Smith also had been there for a while, had been with that system for a few years, had had success with it, like we just mentioned. So you could learn. I mean, Andy Dalton just got to Chicago. He's essentially a rookie in that system also. It's not like he can teach Justin Fields that system all that well, considering it isn't like he spent the last five years of his career in Chicago. Past that, he hasn't been successful in a while. He just came from Dallas after being ousted from Cincinnati. Now he's in Chicago, and the, the quotes have always been, Justin's going to be great, but it's my time. Not really what you need to hear if you're a Chicago Bears fan right now. Not that I think that he's not showing him what he needs to show him. Andy Dalton's never come across as a bad guy or any or a bad teammate or anything like that. But it's more 
does Matt Nagy have the luxury to sit around and hold off Justin Fields until next year? He's behaving like a guy who thinks he's going to be there next year, and I don't think he is. Like I don't know if he's there. I also don't know if Ryan Pace, the general manager, is there. Justin Fields is the kind of guy that can save your job. What are the stories that you've kind of heard just kind of trickling out from camp in Chicago? Allen Robinson really likes Justin Fields. Allen Robinson's a guy they want to lock up long term. Who's one of top 10 wide receivers easily in the NFL. Uh, Jimmy Graham likes Justin Fields. Behind closed doors, the the, uh, Bears offense believes Justin Fields gives them the best chance to win. Watching them, I think Justin Fields does too, because what chance do you have to win with Andy Dalton? And by win, I mean, what is winning? Like, do you just sit Justin Fields for a year so that you can go 9-8 and eight and get into the wild card at best? Because you're not going to beat Green Bay in the, in the NFC North if you're Chicago this year, whether it's Fields or Dalton. Why would you not get the rookie out there? Yes, he's going to make mistakes. But... Don't you want him to go ahead and take some of those lumps now so that he's got a year under his belt next year and then you can surround him with some talent? Maybe you make a coaching change, whatever it is you're going to do. But if you're Matt Nagy, you don't have the luxury to sit there and play for next year. I've come to a place in my sports opinions where I don't like the how long is the championship window discussion very much because I think it is very... Well, what's the word? I would say naive, but I don't think that's exactly what I'm gearing for here. It's very arrogant to look past this year and look to next year because you have no idea what's going to happen over the next 12 months. If there's anything that we've learned over the past few years, just trying to live our lives, it's that we don't know what's around the corner. We've kind of lived a cushioned, sheltered existence for a while where the viruses were just in the movies and now the viruses are keeping the movies closed. This year has to be, like, you have to play like this is your only year. Like, Matt Nagy, what makes you think you're back next year? So you're holding off Justin Fields for the next guy? Cool. Who gives them a better chance to win? And makes them a more exciting property. I'm sure NBC's thrilled that their Sunday night football game is going to be Rams against Andy Dalton when you had a chance to have Justin Fields. I'm excited that Justin Fields is in town here and we get to watch at least a half of him, according to what we've heard. We're going to get the entire first half watching him. I actually want to go to a preseason game just to see Justin Fields play. I mean, we're dodging a bullet not even getting QB1. I say that with air quotes and derision in my voice. For Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is not Alex Smith. I can understand why you want to create a Patrick Mahomes situation, but you got to have the right guy underneath. What was it that you knew about Smith? Well, Smith, even though he was the number one overall pick, he didn't have all of the tangible skills, so he had to go the extra mile. It was a little harder for him on the NFL level, so he had to learn the playbook backwards and forwards and be able to recite it from memory. Not even have to ask for a definition or how that word's used in a sentence to nail it. Did everything right. 
learned the playbook, studied hard, watched film, all those kinds of things. Mahomes had the arm talent. He had all of that ridiculous, tangible skill. And that year he sat behind Patrick Mahomes, he was taught the other side of it by a master of it in Alex Smith. I don't know about Dalton in that way. Not suggesting he might not be similar in that way, but I also think Alex Smith knew that he was the bridge to Patrick Mahomes. Andy Dalton saying, it's my time. Andy Dalton wants to show out. But Andy Dalton's not capable of showing out. Andy Dalton's just an average, he's a jag quarterback. He's just a guy. Like, you can win a couple of games with him, but you're not winning a Super Bowl. You're not taking a deep playoff run. He's just a guy. Justin Fields is more than a jag. Right now, he represents excitement, a new generation, a next generation, and maybe one of the great Bears quarterbacks we've ever seen because the list ain't very long because they have had all kinds of problems finding a quarterback long-term there. I mean, who's the best ones you can come up with? Kyle Orton, Jay Cutler of that list. I know we did a list of sadness with the Bears months back where I read all the quarterbacks they've had from Jim McMahon on. Boy, oh boy. The struggle is real, folks. It's not just a catchphrase. It's a reality in the Windy City. Justin Fields represents, you know, maybe he can be our guy. Chicago fans like maybe he can be that guy because he was in college and then you watch him and you look at what he's doing just in the preseason and you're impressed it's preseason yes you're always watching it with that in the background but if Fields plays well very few people should be surprised by that I thought he was going to be a stud I'm was I'm still upset Denver didn't draft him even though I think Sertan is a hell of a player. And I'm okay with Teddy Bridgewater. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. I wanted him to take Justin Fields in the draft because I didn't think that it was it was close enough to a slam dunk on Aaron Rodgers and the Deshaun Watson thing. There's just too much hanging out there in order to wager that that can happen either. Matt Nagy. It's not about, I want to prove the QB1 tweet right. I do think there is truth to wanting to follow this Andy Reid model, but he doesn't have Alex Smith. He has a guy they just acquired who has never worked with him before either. That guy's going to mentor Justin Fields? Andy Dalton, who's not coming off a playoff season, Andy Dalton, who's really coming off a season where his existence helped Dak Prescott get paid because you realized, oh, well, Dak is pretty valuable. Look at this. Of course, Andy got hurt. And I, I, I know it sounds like I'm just killing Andy, but I liked watching some of what he did in Cincinnati. I felt like he was pretty decent there. I just also think he's been, at, he's been in this league for a while. His best days are behind him, and his best days weren't MVP days. Do you turn the page today knowing that you're not going to win the Super Bowl this year anyway, but you at least get your young stud out there to learn. I am okay if you don't play him against the Rams 
and you start him in week two against the Bengals. I would be shocked if he's not playing by week four against Detroit after they get finished with Cleveland. If he's not, I'll be shocked if Matt Nagy finishes the season as the head coach of the Bears. He's already on hot seat. Like, if we did a hot seat topic, he would be one of the first names you mentioned. And what's funny about it was, the year, the first year he got there, he was supposed to be this stud. Remember, everybody was talking about Matt Nagy being a hot new coaching name. He's coming from Andy Reid. Look at his offense. Look how much fun he's having and all this kind of stuff. And then since then, it's just been kerplunk in the toilet, man. And a lot of it is because he hasn't had a great quarterback. So now... He has an opportunity, right? If his if his offensive mindset is as good as we were told it could be the first year, now he's got a quarterback that he can have some fun with, and it ain't Andy Dalton, it's Justin Fields. He has an opportunity, if he's that good, to really impress people this year with some of the concepts and some of the things that he wants to do But if he goes with Andy Dalton, this feels very much to me like Hugh Jackson saying, nah, it's going to be Tyrod Taylor, Baker, sorry. But I think that Justin Fields' ceiling is much higher than Baker Mayfield's in terms of what level of superstar he can be on the field. Not that Baker is nothing. I just think Justin Fields has, a, again, a much higher ceiling. And Matt Nagy doesn't have the luxury to park him in the garage. You better drive him. It's almost like you bought that car, but you really can't afford that car. You're not sure you're going to have a job to be able to pay for that car. So you better drive the heck out of that thing right now and enjoy it before it gets repossessed. And by repossessed in this case, I mean you lose your job and somebody else ends up with that car. The next coach in Chicago ends up getting to actually drive Justin Fields around. As opposed to you, even though you're the one that bought it. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to play Fields now if you're Matt Nagy because you don't have the level of job security required to sit back and wait. But that's apparently what he's going to do. Again, mark my words. If he does not play by week four, Matt Nagy, no way he's still the head coach of the Bears at the end of the year. Because... Andy Dalton's getting booed by Bears fans in the preseason. How's that going to go in the regular season for Matt Nagy? Not even for Dalton. This isn't even, I mean, Dalton's the one that's just sort of the the, the easy target because he's the one that's on the field. Matt Nagy is going to get mauled on every radio show in Chicago, every sports bar in Chicago, every barber shop in Chicago. Every video game party where everybody's sitting around playing Call of Duty, they're going to be burying Matt Nagy. It ain't going to go well. So he better play him in the first month of the season. But I think he's making a grave error in thinking that this is an Andy Reid situation because he's not Andy Reid and that ain't Alex Smith. We'll be right back. I'm Jason Martin and this is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome back. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. That's Pearl Jam. 10, 30 years old yesterday, the 27th. Outcast ATL 25 years ago, same day. 
That's a good day for album releases. No Code as well. From Pearl Jam came out on August the 27th. Let me look at what came out on August 28th since we're there now. So. I actually do want to bring you in, Chris. Uh, Chris Perfett, who we talked to, we talked to because we were talking to NFC North a good bit there in that first hour of the show. We talked about Matt Nagy and Justin Fields there to open the second hour. I did have somebody tweet me, I believe, and I'm still trying to. Uh, I had eye surgery, and so I'm having a problem reading right now. So that's making things a little bit more difficult. I'm doing a lot of the show with my eyes closed. Um, but I think someone is saying if Matt Nagy being on the hot seat is common knowledge, wouldn't you think he's doing what he thinks is best? Maybe there's more info that we don't know. Well, in terms of more info we don't know, there's always going to be more info you don't know. But let me ask you this, Chris. Do we not know that Justin Fields probably gives him a better chance to win long-term than Andy Dalton does? And, and you're going nowhere with Andy Dalton. I think that's right. I, I think the big struggle, no matter what it is, is like, Chicago's offensive line probably isn't going to be good this year. And we've seen it, I don't know how many times, where a bad offensive line can really put a rookie quarterback into trouble and get them in trouble real fast. I just, I feel like the only logical explanation I have to them sticking to Andy Dalton, other than being a sop maybe to Andy Dalton for the QB1 stuff, which is kind of nonsense, but it's that... You don't want you you want to see probably what this offensive line is in a regular season game or two to start. As you said, like the Rams is a tough ask to start the year, but right after that you get to play the Bengals. Yeah, I think and, that's where I I just think if you're playing the Bengals, I could easily see Justin Fields starting week two and Dalton just being a one week starter. Yeah, I think you want to you want to give Andy Dalton at least the chance to uh to play himself out of that role. And I mean, Andy's had some good years in his past, but I was like third on the quarterback chart for, was he second or third for Dallas last year? He was, uh, I think he might've been second. He might've been second. And he, he got was, hurt almost immediately or he got right. hurt on some like terrible hit. I just, was it Washington? Is somebody from the football team? I think to hit him. Yeah. It was I, just I dirty don't. as all get out while he was, was that trying Norman? to slide. It wasn't, I don't think it was Josh. No, it wasn't Norman. I uh, it doesn't matter. Either way, like I think, I think you just don't you, you don't go to Fields right away. That at least makes sense. It's just a matter of how long can they really keep up the charade? And really, the entire Chicago media that I've seen have have are basically they they've run out of patience. They're baying for Fields to start. They're baying for Fields to start, no matter what it is. Like as you say, it's not a great scenario for him to to sit for a while. But at the same time, too, I look at their offensive line, and I have to go dig up some numbers on them. But I that's the one concern I have. Your Justin Fields, this a Chicago offense has been falling apart apart piece by piece over these years, and they've got a fantastic wide receiver. But there's not a lot of protection around Justin Fields once he gets under center. And if he's not comfortable, he's going to start getting hit pretty quick. Well, I mean, the same thing's true in Jacksonville. The same thing, the same thing's often true for rookie quarterbacks. I mean, that point is that point is certainly right, accurate. Right, but I think the big knock on Justin Fields and uh, as far as his scouting report when he came out of Ohio State was, hey, this guy sometimes just doesn't... He, he's a great quarterback, but sometimes he just does not have great awareness of when the pocket is collapsing around him. Well, he does that not definitely, the you pocket. saw that. You saw that in the second preseason game. 
Yeah, and, and we saw the it with shot him where he lost his helmet when you know when he, Ohio State played Clemson too. That was a big problem there too. So like, that's kind of the worry when you're dealing with Chicago's O line. Well, the problem is it's not going to get that much easier for them uh, because uh, I mean the O line not being good is is something they need to address certainly. But when you draft a quarterback. The fans expect a certain something, and that certain something is going to be—it's going to be tough on Andy Dalton if they're booing him out of the building, out of his own building, even if he's not terrible and he's just mediocre. The, not the, that he hasn't gone through it, but you could see that coming. The other issue I think that is maybe weighing—I I, don't—if you're a Bears fan, probably the nightmare scenario is that Justin Fields does take it under center, and he's not good out of the gate. And suddenly you're looking at a scenario where we drafted Mitch Trubisky. And if Justin Fields doesn't work out, that is swing and miss on two quarterbacks. Yeah. You got you got to see what you got in him, obviously. But I think it's you, you want the right ideal place for him to start where he's going to look good coming out of that gate. And yeah, again, to our point, we keep coming back to you get to start against the Rams. It's not ideal. No, it's not. Um, if you go out there and you play well against the Rams, who knows, man? The sky's the limit. I mean, uh, I think it's 26 quarterbacks that were taken first overall got the opportunity to play in their first season, and like 16 of that 26 got to start in week one, and they're 3-12-1. and one. So I don't know if the expectation is you win. The expectation is you don't get killed, and when Aaron Donald is somebody that's coming after you, then I can see why you would be reticent there. But you can't be afraid in the NFL either because every team can come after you, and every team is going to try to come after you because it's such a cutthroat league. Now, if you're having pressure issues with Justin Fields, not not having pocket recognition and things of that nature, that's a big problem. That's something the coaches need to be working with them on immediately. And if it's just Matt Nagy saying, I'm playing him when he's ready, I know he's the guy, but I don't want to put him out there until he's ready, then I can understand that. I also think it may still cost Matt Nagy his job. But the question is, is he already a dead man walking? Is that information that we don't have to the uh, tweeter's point? Is it a possibility that they already pretty much know he's not coming back? That he's not really... He's not. He's more or less auditioning for next job. Now, if they go out and win eleven games, they'll keep him. I, my prediction is he's not there next year. And the longer he doesn't play fields, the easier that that excuse is going to be able to be made. Well, why didn't you play that guy? Because if he does, then get ready to Matt Nagy's satisfaction, and he shows up in week six or week eight, and he lights it up and he has a solid record down the stretch, then it's going to be like, well, you wasted half the year. Man, what could have been? Let's get somebody else in here. So I don't know that there's a win here for for Matt Nagy, which is why I kind of would... I I still would be going with the Rook if it were me. Maybe, maybe the week one thing, and then I bring him out against Cincinnati. But I, I don't think I'd let it go any longer than that. I'd probably have him starting on Sunday Night Football. Even if it's not ideal, it goes Cincinnati Browns and then yeah, Lions Cincinnati and Browns, then Raiders. Lions. Yeah, like that's a good four game stretch where you you would hope that kind of works 
as where Justin Fields will feel comfortable. Well, I don't think you put, I mean, if you're worried about Aaron Donald, you should be worried about Miles Garrett. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, that's why I'm saying maybe the maybe the plan behind the scenes, if you're really just trying to outthink yourself, is, all right, let's get past week three and put him in against Detroit. It's a division game, but it's not exactly against um, a juggernaut, and that gives us some time before we get to week eight when we face Tampa Bay and their pass rush. I think you just Th- need to see what the rest it. of the offense is, too, at that point, too. Like Again, if, if the offensive line can't protect Andy Dalton... And none of these receivers outside of, you know, um, uh, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, excuse me. I don't know why I just blanked so hard there. Outside of Allen, if the receivers outside of Allen Robinson are not giving you what you need, like it might be, yeah, maybe you start him, but at that point, I, it's it's funny because this is always the the gambit of the of the squirming coach is. When do I I have a hot shot new quarterback who can maybe save me my job, but also the anticipation of him playing and him being ready and maturing could also save me my job. How early do I rip the Band-Aid off? Mm. And that's always been the gambit for a lot of coaches and front offices that that need to figure out what comes next. I honestly think at the front office, we could probably see Ryan Pace getting dismissed before Matt Nagy. Yeah, I could, I could agree with that point. I do think Ryan Pace is gone. Um, I also think there are comparisons to be made between this situation and the Cleveland situation where Hugh Jackson was just intent on Tyrod Taylor. Now, you look at Fields and you look at Mayfield, the difference there was on hard knocks, Cleveland was right in front of our faces that year. That didn't help Hugh's cause, I don't think, because of the quarterback spot. Um, Baker was the number one overall pick. Browns fans wanted to see him, and they already knew what Tyrod Taylor was. He was an average quarterback who had played in Buffalo and was good enough to win you seven or eight games, and that was about it. What's Andy Dalton? He's a dude that played in Cincinnati for a while, who was good to win you eight or nine games, who didn't lose a whole lot of games but never did anything particularly flashy. Had A.J. Green, who had he been healthy, who knows what his numbers could have been even though now he's in Arizona and he's still playing. but A.J. Green, Marvin Jones, and Muhammad Sanu, yeah, all those. Exactly. Marvin Jones is a fantastic wide re- he yeah. just, just a bevy of talent there. Yeah, they, they had talent. He had talent in the backfield. Um, and he was, still, he was still kind of average. And that's what you've got. And if you're Matt Nagy, it's like, is average enough to keep my job? I don't think it is. Is it all about that, or am I just trying to put my team in the best chance to win week after week? And I think Andy Dalton gives me the best chance to do that for a first couple of weeks, and then maybe we can turn it over to Fields? Perhaps. I just wonder what the patience for that fan base is going to be, especially if they go and get absolutely annihilated by the Rams in week one on the road. Um, you know, Time will tell. I do think you're right. I do think Ryan Pace being let go maybe happens before Nagy, but I also think if he mismanages this quarterback situation, Nagy may not get through the year, and I do think that the GM may make it through the season because that seems like more of an off-season move. If Nagy makes it through, then maybe they both get released on the same day. But it's it's not a it's not a great problem to have. You mentioned the fans earlier, too. I think the problem is now they've gotten enough taste of fields in the yes. preseason. I, I watch a lot of my guys at the... SB Nation blog for Chicago, for the Chicago Bears, Windy City Gridiron, 
and several other places and like they 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 have seen enough good out of fields that they don't even care what the bad is at this point they just i talked about the band-aid there they don't care what Nagy wants to do they want him to rip that band-aid off right away yes so That's, if that, that, yeah you're right man so if dalton goes out there and really stinks it up in week one now i'm not saying the fans get to control this but the rest of the Chicago media is going to be baying for blood too, and they're going to be baying to see Fields, and they're going to be. It's like, look, I know you've got, I know you've got something really pretty behind door number two. Just open up door number two already, man. Just open it up already. We want to see what's there. Yeah, I mean that's the pro. That's the other difference between the Alex Smith Patrick Mahomes thing, which Nagy is kind of trying to duplicate. Is the worst possible thing could have happened to Matt Nagy is Justin Fields look like he's looked in the preseason where you've been impressed with him and you feel like, well, he's better than Andy Dalton. That's what you couldn't have if you were Matt Nagy. Yeah, and Patrick he, Mahomes, when he came out of college, was like... he It was a project. Th- it was a project, and I think people in Kansas City understood that, and people at least respected Alex Smith. They thought Alex Smith was a good quarterback, uh, and you know that, that turned to what is. Justin Fields, as you said, like it was a shocker that he fell to Chicago. And plenty of teams, as soon as Chicago picked him up, were like, oh my God, we completely missed out on Justin Fields. Lions fans were mad that they missed out on Justin Fields, even though I think Sewell's the right pick. Broncos fans were mad they missed out on Justin Fields. Everyone didn't think, like, everyone was playing chicken with Justin Fields and where he would drop in the draft. And because the national media lauded the Bears, because they thought that was a great move for the Bears, now everyone was like, oh man, we missed out on Justin Fields. And that's helped his mystique a lot. And that's, yeah. I think, has also heightened, like, again, this need to, that makes it different from Patrick Mahomes. Nobody was like, oh, wow, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, wow, that was a real steal by the Chiefs. No, like, everyone thought the best quarterback in that draft, besides the Bears, obviously, was Deshaun Watson. Yeah, right. Was Deshaun Watson. And, like, Mahomes was an interesting project for them, but nobody was like, all right, we need to see Mahomes right now. Everyone wants to see Fields right now in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Again, the preseason's made this harder for Matt Nagy. And and look, they're playing the Titans tonight right here in Nashville, about five miles from where I'm sitting. And Fields is going to play the whole first half of the game. And Dalton's not going to be seen at all. If Fields somehow plays well, I mean, look, the Titans have had a very solid preseason uh, for what that's worth. But defensively, they've they've looked pretty good. Dominated the Falcons and dominated the Bucks. If Fields actually goes out there and lights it up a little bit against Tennessee, I, I think the pressure on Matt Nagy in the lead up to that week one game, I know he's already committed to Dalton, and I don't imagine he goes back on that, but holy cow, there's going to be a lot of tomatoes thrown in his direction from Chicago Bears fans if Fields actually looks the part again in the preseason finale tonight against the Titans. Let's get out to Fenley. What's going on, B? What's happening in the world of sports? What is happening? Yeah, we have some NFL. We've got some college football going on later today, but from Friday, the final game to finish up in Major League Baseball was the Royals taking down the Mariners 8-6 to in 12 innings. Edward Olivares hit a two-run homer in the top half of the 12, but the M's currently are four and a half games out of that second wild card spot. The Rockies had three home runs 
wins as they devour the Dodgers 4-2. to two. But with the Giants losing in the NL West, L.A. trails San Francisco in that division by just two and a half games with, of course, San Francisco in first. The Padres are able to get something going here and get over their hump, the slide that they've been dealing with in a 5 to nothing victory over the Angels. Just Joe Musgrove, that is, had nine strikeouts as he pitched a three-hitter. The Yankees with a 13-game winning streak after dominating the A's 8-2. And now New York is only four games back of the Rays for the AL East lead. The Twins tower over the Brewers 2-0. Josh Donaldson with a two-run blast. And the White Sox with a 17-13 victory over the Cubs with Yasmani Grandal with two home runs, including eight RBI. As far as NFL preseason games from Friday, Patrick Mahomes, two touchdowns during his two drives that he played. One was a 35-yard strike downfield up the sideline to Tyree Kill, who scooted in for the score. The Chiefs' 28-25 victory over the Vikings. The Jets end up tying the Eagles at 31. No Zach Wilson in this contest, but James Morgan in at quarterback for New York late. Heaves a 49-yard pass downfield at the end of the fourth quarter, and it is caught Hail Mary style by Kenny Yaboa and then the Jets end up converting on a two-point conversion and it is a tie which in the new rules in preseason NFL action there is no overtime in exhibition play and everybody is happy about that. Sam Darnold bragging about two touchdown passes as he did it against Steelers second stringers in a Panther 34-9 victory. Dwayne Haskins got the start for Pittsburgh who basically did not play any of their keynote starters and Haskins went 9 of 16 through the air, one touchdown pass and one interception and afterwards Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin called his team's performance a JV style and an effort the Colts get by the Lions 27 to 17 Sam Ellinger leaving with a knee injury and according to Colts head coach Frank Reich he said that injury quote didn't look good close quote but they'll obviously have more tests done to see what exactly is going on with that knee Jacob Eason 10 to 14 through the air 74 yards so, Jason, maybe it is the Jacob Eason show, depending upon how oh, Carson Wentz is recovering from his injury. But with Wentz starting to get back into practice, maybe he could. I don't know if he'll be ready for week one, but perhaps sooner rather than later. Uh, Finley, how do you feel about uh, Matt Nagy going with Dalton over Fields? Oh, man, I, I'm with you guys. I think you got to go with the sizzle of Fields right now because you – while winning is important, I think Fields gives you not only the best chance to win, but he excites the fan base. People want to come out and see Fields. Dalton is great, but his best days, his glory years are behind him. And I I just see that I get there's this little hesitation as far as a transfer of power. But why not, Jason? Give it to Justin Fields. Let him make the mistakes. He's a beloved member of the Chicago Bears fan base, and they will ooh and ah over him. I don't think he can make a mistake in their eyes, at least at this point. Not no, until I, he starts I, getting sacked yeah. 30 times. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, yeah, he, yeah that, that could change real fast. But <laughs> like I'll Chicago say, has no patience for another quarterback no. bombing out. Yeah. No, that that is true. It's definitely a boom or bust situation if you play somebody early. I'll say this. Matt Nagy, you also have the chance to look like an offensive genius 
if you're able to let Fields do some wizardry for you out there, then all of a sudden the bloom can go back on the rose that fell back off it after your first year when people were saying, oh, this is a new Andy Reid. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Not at all, other than the receding hairline. <laughs> those, are, those are the only things. They, they did work together. All right, Finley, I'll talk to you about UCLA football yes, a little bit later on. Yes, I can't on. wait. I know, you're super <laughs> excited about it. Go towel down. Yes. Finley goes to the sauna. Uh, between updates. Fun fact. But yeah, I, you're, you're right about that, uh, Chris. If if he bombs out again, I don't even know. Like I said, we read that list before. I could find it again. You want to talk about a, a list of futility. The list of Chicago Bears quarterbacks since they won that Super Bowl over Tony, not Jacob, Tony Eason and the Patriots with that ridiculous Ditka defense. Um... It's not been good at all. Like, And if you can't find a quarterback, you probably can't find success. I mean, they have been to a Super Bowl over this century. Uh, Rex Grossman was the quarterback that took them there. And they ran into Peyton Manning, and that didn't go particularly well. That's just the way it rolls. When we come back, I said we talked all about the Matrix between hours. We're going to talk about the Matrix when we come back. Because it's the Jason Martin Show, and I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Little dinosaur junior for you, and uh, maybe they'll feel the pain in Jacksonville. Maybe they'll feel it in Chicago if you're Matt Nagy and the Bears fans. If Andy Dalton 
starts out slow, and then Fields comes in and looks great. I'll tell you what looks great. Discover in your wallet. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. That's amazing. Discover's accepted at 99% of places now in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. So we were talking at the end of the first hour, not on air, but off air, because I made a comment about the Matrix on air as an analogy. We started talking about the Matrix because the fourth Matrix film now has a name, Matrix Resurrections. And here we go. And I was starting to think back. The Matrix is why I bought a DVD player. Like I, That's when I was like, hey, mom, dad, can you help me? I need to get a DVD player. And I'm a uh, very, very college student-y person with not a whole lot of income-y. Can you help me? And so they, they helped me out, and I got a DVD player. And literally, The Matrix is the only DVD I had for a while. That's all I cared about. Like I just wanted to see it. And then I learned what Letterboxd was, and I was like, can I get these bars off the screen? This is before understanding widescreen and all that kind of stuff. But literally, it made me upgrade to a new device because I wanted access to that movie. That's what it meant. It was 99 when it came out. 99, if you go back and you look at the films that were released in 99, I'd said maybe a month or two ago on the show we were going to actually do this, and we didn't. It was an unbelievable year for movies. 99 was an incredible year for movies. But that same like couple months span... Fight Club and The Matrix both came out. Those are two cultural touchstone coming-of-age films for a lot of people. Fight Club is definitely a coming-of-age film for a lot of people. The Matrix, and uh, I'll bring in Chris here because you made this point, Chris. Mm -hmm. The Matrix nailed the time period because it had elements of virtually everything that people were into at the time. Yeah, it, it took a lot of influence from a lot of like graphic novels, not even comic book graphic novels, but I remember, and my f- uh, fellow producer, Bo, we had the Animatrix, those shorts, which were yeah. produced by some of the best talent out of Japan at the time, when this was when Just As Toonami and Adult Swim were getting started, and you had two, two shorts by the creator of Cowboy Bebop, which, by the way, getting a live edition, live action version on Netflix soon, but it, it got everything that was kind of as those subcultures were coming towards the mainstream of our cultures at the time. And I think we talked about it. There was the Enter Matrix game. Everything leading up to the second movie was like the biggest cultural moment because they they pollinated everything. Graphic novels, anime, video games. They they respected their roots and kept sopping to them as they were getting ready for more and more movies. Yeah, they did. And I mean, you even go to the idea of just... There was even a nihilistic tendency in the the Matrix itself that the world was just, there was nothing really all that important in the world. Matrix is still one of my top five films of all time just because it blew my mind to that degree. I'll be there for the fourth one, no question about that. Third hour's next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. What's happening? I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio, hour number three of four of the Jason Martin Show. Here across the country, wherever you happen to be. Glad you're with us. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. It's where you can find me, the crew, Ricky, Chris, and Brian. They are in L.A. They're spending the dials radio style for me. So, a whole lot of football on this show. And there's going to continue to be a whole lot of football on this show. 
I want to talk to you about the difference between two concepts that sometimes get conflated. Revisionist history and new data. These aren't the same things. I remember in the past talking to you guys about it being not just okay, but right to take the L when you're wrong. Not sticking to the same stubborn take just because. And we see that in my industry, in this industry, all the time. I'm going to stick with this take till the end of time, despite the fact it's wrong, because my pride won't let me do anything else. There are guys that have made millions of dollars with the same wrong opinions for years and years and years and years. And I'm not speaking wrong subjective. I mean, their opinion is like verifiably wrong and they just stick to it anyway. We have come to a place, I think, where increasingly the hot takes being replaced with the thoughtful take, which is a good thing. It's not it, it, some of the loudmouth stuff that was here five years ago isn't here anymore. We're starting to separate the wheat from the chaff. There are a few of the purveyors of that that are the godfathers of it that have been doing it for such a long period of time that they succeed. But those that have iterated and tried to imitate off of them have are starting to fall by the wayside. That's why one of the things I've always said, anything I've always done on Fox has always been that the truth is somewhere in the middle, usually. It's not usually that cut and dry. Like The extremes are usually where you go to make mistakes. But when you're wrong, you say you're wrong. When it's proven that you're wrong, when the evidence starts to mount against you, you cut your losses and say, okay, got it. Yep, you know what? I'll take the L on this one. I was wrong. One of my biggest was saying Matt LaFleur wasn't going to work as a head coach in the league. So far, that's been proven totally wrong. I was not impressed at all with what he did here in Tennessee. And on that data, I was flabbergasted at how fast the Packers ran to hire him as head coach. But he's been good there. Really good. Back-to-back 13-3 and seasons. So for now, I'm wrong. But there's a difference between revisionist history and new data. And this irritated me because of Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, who has looked good in the preseason and is getting a lot of positivity spoken about him, and deservedly so. It's the preseason. Yes, we throw the caveat, but he's looked good. But I'm watching people going after Trey Wingo and some other folks for them being skeptical of Zach Wilson and kind of saying, what in the world are you guys doing taking him that high? We weren't even talking about him three months ago. He wasn't anybody's top 50 list in players in college football before last season started, things of that nature. So people are coming after it because right now, what we're watching would indicate, now Zach Wilson looks like he might be the real deal. But there's a difference between revisionist history and new data. Wingo can now say, as can I, because I was another guy that said, I felt like if there was a bust here to be had with these quarterbacks, it was him. Because I just wasn't so sure. And it felt like the hype was unwarranted. But if I start watching games and he plays well, I'll just say, yep, I was wrong. But I want to be wrong because I want all five of these quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round. I want as many 
great, iconic, elite players in my sports as I can find. There's not a single one of these guys that I don't want to see be a superstar of superstars. I want to see them all succeed, all flourish, because it's going to be better for me as a viewer. It's going to be better for sports as a whole, which is better for, for my bottom line. And it's just more exciting. I don't need an NBA full of mediocre players. I don't need Major League Baseball full of no stars. I don't need the NFL full of just the Denver Broncos are good because they're my team, but everybody else stinks. No. I want Denver to be great and everybody else to be super so that when we win, it actually means something. And past that, it's just a better product all around. But those that are coming after the, oh, I thought you said Zach Wilson didn't make sense doing everything, blah, blah, blah. No, what, what was said was everybody lost their minds because of a throw he made during his pro day which is a scripted set of plays where everything is meticulously crafted down and you're just watching a Broadway play with no defense. A throw he won't make in the actual game went viral, and then all of a sudden, oh, well, you've got to draft him number two. Maybe you should even consider drafting him number one. And we said that was preposterous. And I'm still saying that's preposterous. I might end up saying, hey, you know what? Zach Wilson was better than I thought he was going to be. How about that? Awesome. But that's not revisionist history. There are those that won't be allowed to, you know, or, or they won't allow themselves to admit that they were wrong. They'll just forget they had the original take. That won't be me. There's plenty of me on tape saying I think Fields is going to be better than Wilson prior to the draft, after the draft, and that if there was a bust to be had, that I thought that the highest bust potential was Zach Wilson. And maybe I still end up being right about that. I don't know. But I'm just basing that on the hype that seemingly came from nowhere about him. But I also am willing to be wrong. New data can change the way we feel about stuff. New data alters how we see the world. It changes what we know. Everything evolves, right? I think that becomes... That gets forgotten some of the time. It's not me now being right and always being right. It's just me evolving my position. It's me not being stubborn enough just to stick with what I thought was right from the get-go just because my ego would be wounded if I didn't. But we've seen Zach Wilson play two preseason games. We haven't seen anything in the regular season from any of these rookie quarterbacks yet. There's still a lot to be determined. My fingers are crossed that I'm wrong about Zach Wilson, just like my fingers are crossed that I'm right about Trevor Lawrence and everybody else, not to toot my own horn, but because, as I just told you, we're better The NFL is much more exciting. We're all having a lot more fun doing this for a living or just watching this as fans if the league is full of stud quarterbacks. And honestly, if the Jets are good, I think that would be fun. So I'm actually hoping I'm wrong. And I think I even said that at the time. Not rooting against this kid by any means. But I did think the now piling on because of two preseason games, easy. Back it up just a little bit. Slow it down. Let's get to the regular season. 
before we go too far down this pathway. Let's see what it looks like. It's still a first-year head coach and a rookie quarterback with a wide receiver who was not a wide receiver number one in Tennessee, but who was paid like one by the Jets. He was the fifth pick overall, but he was not ever the fifth pick on the field. Dealt with injuries. Hell of a guy. Class act. They got a class act in Corey Davis. But I watched his entire career here with the Titans. I did not expect them to re-sign him. They did not. And now he is supposed to be the guy in New York. He was voted number 91 in the top 100 in the NFL players list and all this kind of stuff. He's got talent. But I don't see him as a one. But I knew somebody would pay him as a one. I think he's a two that's been paid as a one. He's a great complimentary guy along with another stud, but that's what they don't really have. So I think it's a little bit early to anoint anything here. That division is actually one of the better divisions in football. The NFC West is the best division in football, but if you look at the AFC East, the Patriots are going to be better, despite the fact I think they're overhyped. They're overhyped because of their market and because of the history over this, you know, over Belichick's run. The fact that he's still the coach and ESPN gives him a lot of airtime. But when did Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne become Randy Moss and Jerry Rice? Because those are the weapons that are being touted as different. Now, it's a huge upgrade from what they had last year, but it's not like they went and got a bunch of studs. I mean, Johnny Smith's a pretty decent tight end. And we never really saw what he was capable of. As a, we saw, we saw flashes of it, but it was never consistent with the Titans. With the Patriots, he could be better. When you add the second tight end that they acquired, uh, once he's healthy, Hunter Henry, then you know we'll see what they've got there. They're certainly going to be better, and they've got their own quarterback concerns. We'll probably get to that before the end of the show. Miami. If Tua can play well, they have all the tools that you like, and Buffalo's coming off of a great season, and Josh Allen just got his loot. Now they're dealing with Cole Beasley, McKenzie, whatever's going on with the COVID situation, but that's going to attack the league as a whole. Another topic we will get to. But the Jets are still in uh, the, the Jets right now are in the NFC East. You don't want or the AFC East. You don't you don't want to be in because it's a pretty loaded group. Like there's not really a bad team there unless it is the Jets, and the Jets should be better because they don't have Adam Gase. If Zach Wilson had been drafted by the Adam Gase Jets, I I don't know what we would be watching right now because I don't know how how badly he would have been handled over the last month in camp when we hadn't seen him. I think Salah knows what he's doing. I like the early returns there in the same way I dislike the early returns coming from Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. But again, don't forget, revisionist history and new data are not the same. Revisionist history is me going back and telling you something that didn't happen. It's retconning something. Telling you I said something I didn't say or saying I never said something I did say. New data is saying, hey, this is what I said, and now I've watched some things, and now this is true. That's the way you got to live your life. you got to live your life based on the information that you possess, and then you always want to accumulate more, so that you, then you can you know, evolve your position, change your position to fit the reality on the ground, for lack of a better phrase. What's the reality on the ground? 
Well, the reality on the ground right now is, okay, Zach Wilson looks pretty good in the preseason. You like what you're hearing from some of the New York media. Now let's see what happens in a regular season. Revisionist history is Zach Wilson goes out there and, ball, and, and balls out, and I come on the radio and say, I told you Zach Wilson was going to be great because I didn't say that. I said the opposite of that. Or I said, I thought the chances were there, were pretty good, as a matter of fact, that the opposite was going to be true. So you can go after the people that say things that you disagree with when you start seeing the evidence pop up. But when you bring back the old take when it proves to be wrong, you have to remember when the old take was made, what information was available at that time. It's easy to go back and talk about Patrick Mahomes. Now, we talked about this earlier. Everybody wasn't clamoring to go get Patrick Mahomes at number one in the draft. Because Patrick Mahomes hadn't shown out all that much in college, and a lot of people didn't know, especially a lot of fans, didn't know all that much about Patrick Mahomes. I said Sean Watson should be the number one pick in that draft. I still hold to that, by the way. Because the evidence proved to me he should have been, and he definitely should have been over Trubisky. But in this case, you go back, and it's real easy. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, we should have taken Patrick Mahomes number one. Should have taken Steph Curry number one in that NBA draft. But you didn't know at the time exactly. Steph Curry, I felt pretty good, was going to be a stud. But the Mahomes thing, I think, is the perfect example of this. No, that would be revisionist history. New data says, yeah, probably should have taken Patrick Mahomes number one. Especially if we were Kansas City, we had Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, all, all the, the weapons that we were going to have there. We definitely should go get Patrick Mahomes number one. If he had gone to a bad team, I, I don't know. We, we will never know. Thankfully, because we've had the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes' career as a result. Yeah, his circumstances and his environment have not hurt his chances to end up not just in Canton, but on the all-time, 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 all-time list. But always remember that. Live your life based on new data. Don't be a revisionist history person, though. If you get it wrong, admit it. Fess up to it. Own the L and say, you know what? I was wrong and I'm glad I was wrong because this is a lot better. And that's what I'm hoping is going to be the case about Zach Wilson. But you can ease off the people that said, hey, can we back off a little bit? I mean, dude had a good pro day. Does that now mean he should be taking over Trevor Lawrence? Because there were literally people that get paid to do this for a living that were saying that out loud. That Zach Wilson should go number one. When no one had talked about Zach Wilson at all five months ago. That, that to me is where I was just like, okay, ease on the hype. Maybe he can play. I don't know. BYU didn't exactly run into a murderer's row when they were playing last season. He did look good there, but how many other quarterbacks would have looked good there? But right now he looks good with the Jets, and I'm glad for that because it means a better NFL. The more good quarterbacks you have, the better the NFL is, and I think we're all better for that. Also better is pro wrestling. I want to diverge when we come back. This fall is about to be the biggest time for the professional wrestling industry in the last two decades plus. And it's big. It's dominating Twitter trends for a reason, and it's not about to stop. So I'm going to explain to you what's happening and why when we come back. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome back. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio, Jason Martin Show. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, a little SCP, off of number four, Sour Girl. On Twitter, at Radio. 
We're with you for four hours. We still got another hour and a half to go here. Appreciate everybody chiming in, being a part. So last Saturday, the number one trend in the world on social media was SummerSlam. On Sunday, the number one trend in PM was NXT TakeOver. The day before SummerSlam, the number one trend in the world was CM Punk. Wednesday night, the number one trend in the world was also CM Punk. Why? Well, folks, we're about to have the biggest fall. This fall is going to be the biggest interest level in pro wrestling probably since 1998 because that was around the time that WCW peaked. It wasn't Vince's peak. Vince's peak, I mean, 98 was kind of the beginning of the boom for WWE, but they peaked in 2001 and began to fall a little bit after that. They Most would say they peaked in April of 2001 at WrestleMania and made a couple of mistakes there, and that was the time they bought out WCW and it all went south. And since then, they've been scrambling, and it's not that it's been a failure, but it has not ever reached those levels. And the main reason is because you just don't find a Steve Austin and a Dwayne Johnson at the same time very often, and they both hit at the exact same time in 98, right after wrestling had had the injection of the NWO angle in WCW. You've had big stars, obviously. John Cena is a huge star. Just as one example. But why now? Well, I think the biggest reason is because you actually do have competition again. All Elite Wrestling, AEW, which of course tied to the Jaguars with Tony Khan, Shad's son. All Elite Wrestling is making a real push right now. That push is going to create competition, which is going to... WWE, for the first time finds itself in a spot where they're not the cool kids. They're making record profits this year. Some believe they're setting up to sell, and I think that we're going to get to that spot. I mean, Vince is in seventy, celebrating another birthday this week, and he still believes the business is exactly what he believes it's always been, and he refuses to evolve, and as a result of that, you're seeing a lot of talented people walk out that door who just never got the real opportunity. But the issue here and why CM Punk was trending is because he showed back up. He showed up at AEW. It's the first time he's been in a pro wrestling ring in seven years. And it felt real. Because it was real. Sure, it's a business decision. He's getting paid handily for a multi-year deal. But what does it mean? Well, it means that he sold out a 15,000-seat arena based on a rumor of him showing up. Like, it wasn't even for sure. It was a rumor. That they didn't even, they just kind of winked and nodded at. AEW was able to let anybody in to know, no, yeah, he's going to be here without actually fully advertising it. But he's a move the needle guy. Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, as you may know him better, is a move the needle guy. He's also about to show up in AEW. You may not know the name Adam Cole, but you will if you start watching pro wrestling now because he's also about to show up in AEW. He's a guy who I think might have been the most overall talented guy on WWE's entire roster who was still in their NXT territory. And despite great work, unbelievable talking ability, 
had everything you want, except he was a little bit short, and that's all Vince ever saw was the height. And Bray Wyatt is the fourth name that is expected to pop up in AEW. That one I don't care nearly as much about. But you have big names with large followings all going to this other place that has a home on TNT and TBS and a ton of money with the NFL money behind it with the Jaguars. And it's the cool kids. And what ended up happening in 1996 that led to the greatest boom the business has ever seen is WCW became the cool kids because a few guys defected from WWE and set up an angle where it looked like they were coming from WWE to take WCW down as if it was an invasion angle when in fact they were employed by WCW as a great angle. And it worked until they overdid it and diluted it too much. But it got a whole lot of people back into pro wrestling or into it for the first time. And then WWE had to counter-program. And it was there that Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mick Foley, The Rock, Triple H, a lot of the names that are now synonymous with that company, whenever you think of that company, you immediately think of some of those names, they all were were allowed to be louder versions of themselves. And as a result, they took off into the stratosphere, mismanagement, the wrong people making decisions in the other group led to their demise. And then for a while, it was just WWE. That was it. Yeah, there were some other little organizations, but no real competition. Now you actually have something that feels a little bit more real. Like, are they going to compete from a... Revenue standpoint, I don't think so. But last week, I'm pretty sure Rampage, the one-hour Rampage where Punk came back, actually outdid SmackDown in the 18-49 to demo. Or in one of those, one of the key demographics. And it's only going to get bigger from here. So what's going to happen this fall? What's going to happen this fall is, AEW's got all this new stuff. They've got their pay-per-view coming a week from tomorrow. Football season starting, so usually pro wrestling goes into a little bit of a spiral, or at least WWE a lot of times, it's like they don't even try until around November. But now they're going to have to because AEW is coming for their neck. And that usually does bring out the best in that company. It has in the past, at least. What I've noticed in my own sphere is I'd kind of tuned out during the pandemic of almost all of it. And I'm a guy that worked in the industry for a long time, have written about it for decades. It's been a part of my life since before it should have been, really, because my grandfather watched it, my father introduced it to me, and it was just something that, that has always stuck. In 2011, when CM Punk cut his famous, now famous, pipe bomb promo, I had kind of been a bit of a lapsed fan. I was doing other things. I was uh, finishing up a degree as an adult after kind of screwing it away the first time around in the late 90s. I just, I wasn't paying all that close of attention. That Then that promo hit and I came back. And it's not identical because I, I had watched a smattering of pay-per-views here and there and I was still listening to podcasts, but I wasn't watching on a weekly basis. But that deal last week, even though I knew it was coming... For a few months now, um, that brought me back. 
I bought that shirt immediately as soon as it hit the shop the next day. And it was there that it hit me. Oh, this is real again. When you look at the trends, and I, I, I mentioned this on my daily radio show in Nashville, and I had people saying, you know what, I'm not a wrestling fan, but I'm starting to see that stuff pop up everywhere on social media. I've been approached to start a radio show again specific to that industry, which is something I had done for six years in the past. Like, it's coming back, folks. The reason why I want to spend a little bit of time with this with you is because you're about to start seeing it everywhere. Because it's a war. AEW has a lot of money and a lot invested into this, and they want it to work. And they have a lot of smart minds. They do some things that drive me insane, but they do some things right. And some of these pickups, these free agent pickups, are huge. This is a thing that takes you, that can take you over the hump and put a championship within your grasp. And I don't mean a pro wrestling championship. I mean, you go grab the right free agent, and now you can compete for a Super Bowl. There's actually going to be compelling reasons to watch. And there's very few nights where it's not on. Monday is Raw. Wednesday is Dynamite. I think NXT's now moved to Tuesday. SmackDown and Rampage are both on Fridays. The pay-per-views are on Saturdays and Sundays. It's everywhere. Peacock is basically trying to survive on a few shows reruns and WWE. Because a lot of their original content just doesn't matter at all. Even the stuff that's pretty good, it doesn't matter. The most streamed stuff in Netflix for years was The Office and Friends. HBO Max is now benefiting from Friends. Peacock's benefiting from The Office. But pro wrestling as an industry and as a cultural, a culturally relevant topic is about to explode. If you don't believe it already has. There was a time here just a few years ago where you're starting to see a lot of shirts pop up in Hot Topic and they actually, I think, signed a licensing agreement with AEW. You're about to see a lot more of that stuff. A whole lot more. Because you've got stars that now actually transcend just the audience they had already cultivated. You've got guys that, oh, that guy's back? Like, that's the kind of conversations you're about to hear. Record profits for WWE and ratings that are starting to starting to really raise an eyebrow a bit for all elite wrestling. It's the first time I've felt this comfortable spending 15 minutes on one of these shows talking about this. And it's just because I know what's about to happen because I've seen this before. It's going to be fun. If you're not a fan of the industry, it's not like you're all of a sudden going to become one. But if you're a lapsed fan, if you're somebody that has ever cared and it just, you tuned it out, it's just, I'm tired of the same old, same old, there's no competition, I've seen it all, all that kind of stuff, this might be the chance, this might be the time to go ahead and dust it off again and give it a shot. This is not the time to sit on the sidelines. If you've ever been a fan of pro wrestling, this is the time you should be watching. WWE went back to their old ideas. Here's Becky Lynch back. Here's Brock Lesnar back. We're doing Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Originally, they had set that thing to be a WrestleMania main event in 2023, if you can believe that. 
and I think The Rock may be scheduled for 2022, but I think that's changed, obviously, with Brock coming back now. I still think The Rock will be in the future. I think WWE's creative is stagnant and not good right now, and that's dangerous for them because I think AEW is about to experience a major boom. The problem for them is they have picked off so much other talent, they have way too many people and way too little real estate. Like, we have hosts here at Fox Sports Radio, and then we have a few people that we call in for the bench. I used to be one of them. And then eventually I got, you know, got an opportunity on the weekends, in addition to what I was doing in the mornings producing and, and fill-in stuff and all that kind of thing. AEW has a whole lot of guys that just can't get any kind of TV time because they have three hours of television time and about 12 hours full of a roster. That becomes a bit of an issue. And they have a lot of now, you want to add Punk and Daniel Bryan and guys like that to the mix. That's going to cost some some more people screen time. They have way too big a roster. That's something they're going to have to pare down. Right now, they, they, they have tried to accomplish, I think, a lot of times on television way too much. And that could be a mistake for them as well. So, in conclusion, if you've ever been a fan of pro wrestling before, especially in America... Now's the time to turn it back on, especially AEW, because you're going to recognize some of these folks, and I just have a sense that they're about to hit a stride that we have not seen in a long time in this industry. Just from a pure entertainment standpoint, they got some bad habits they got to work themselves out of, but I'm feeling, maybe it's just a little bit of hope, but I'm feeling pretty optimistic that this is going to be one hell of a fun fall. Let's go to Brian Finley out in L.A. Find out the latest on the world of sports. I'm watching a preseason replay right now of Lions Colts. What is wrong with my life? Well, you know what? You got to make sure that you pick every mistake out of those Lions because Chris's Lions 0 for 3 in the preseason. However, do you remember there was a couple years ago, Jason, this was more than 10 years ago. The Chargers went 4-0 in the preseason, and then they either went 0-16 or 1-15. for They had a horrendous season, so there was no indication that the preseason meant anything in relation to the regular season. But it's, Yeah. Yeah. Edward... Keep on, keep on taking shots, Finley. Just keep on swiping at him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Edward Olivares had a two-run blast in the top of the 12th inning for the Royals as they demonized the Mariners 8-6 to in 12 innings. The Rockies sledgehammer the Dodgers 4-2 to thanks to three homers for Colorado. The Padres tried to reverse course with a 5-0 victory over the Angels. Joe Musgrove on the hill, and he had nine strikes. The Yankees continue their climb. 13-game winning streak now after an 8-2 W against the A's. The Twins outmuscle the Brewers 2-0. Josh Donaldson had a two-run homer. As far as, as Jason mentioned, some of the aforementioned NFL preseason games, Patrick Mahomes, he played two drives, and he had touchdown passes on both of them. One of them, a 35-yard score to Tyree Kill and a Chiefs 28-25 victory over the Vikings, where Kirk Cousins was underwhelming. The Jets tie the Eagles at 31. James Morgan had a Hail Mary at the end of the fourth, going to Kenny Yaboa in the end zone. They ended up tacking on a two-point conversion to finish in a tie where there is no OT 
in preseason football. Sam Darnold had two touchdown passes as he tries to revive his pro career, and he did it against the Steelers' backups, 34-9. The Panthers prevail where Dwayne Haskins went 9-16 of through the air, one touchdown and one pick. He got the start. Many of the Pittsburgh starters did not participate. Ben Roethlisberger to name one of them. Those Colts, while they did suffer an injury to one of their quarterbacks and Sam Ellinger, a, a knee issue, they did have enough to tame the Lions 27-17. to Jacob Eason coming in with 10 of 14, passing 74 yards through the air. And that is going to be potentially, Jason, your guy. Also, you have Brett Huntley, Huntley, that is, a former UCLA Bruin, who got some playing time I saw at the QB position for the Colts. And then the whole discussion is, when is that foot going to be ready? Carson Wentz. Mm. We'll see. All right, Finley. (laughs) Yes. UCLA football starts today. It does. And you guys have some guys back. Oh man, this 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 year is going to be magical. It's going to be special. This is a year, Jason. Where look, uh, let me tell you, you're going to get a barometer on the way this season's going to go really early with the LSU game. Not this weekend, but next weekend when they're coming to the Rose Bowl. They're saying there's 20,000 LSU fans that are going to make the trek from Louisiana. I would assume more. And I really will know how this team is going to stack up based upon how they look against LSU. But they've got everybody returning. The offensive line is cohesive. The two running backs, you got a transfer from Michigan and Zach Charbonnet, and then you got Britton Brown, who came over from Duke. Jason, these two guys, if you try to tackle them, you will regret that because they are bulldozers. They are Mack trucks, and they are just going to eat you alive, and they don't have the, 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 the quick little stutter step. They just find a hole, and they go. There's no hesitation. There, There's no dancing. And the running game is going to be great. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is the quarterback. He's a senior. And I just feel like things are going to start to come together for this team. You're four for Chip Kelly. A lot to prove. You know, there's the the maturity of everybody. And you can't use the excuse of rebuilding or being young again. But this is a year where I think UCLA contends in the Pac-12 South. Oh, I'm sorry. I nodded off there. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Uh, just messing oh, with your family. Oh, All right, good, good luck to your Bruins, I guess. Hawaii. For endless, yeah. <laughs> for endless hot water, choose Navi and get all the hot water you need for as long as you need it. Right now, save hundreds on a new Navi and tankless water heater with local rebates. Visit tanklessmadesimple.com, tanklessmadesimple.com. Chip, Chip Kelly's been there for three years. Ooh, boy. You know, and the thing is, Jason, he hasn't won a non-conference game yet for the Bruins. He is 0 for 6 coming in. You've got three non-conference games this year. Two of them are winnable, Fresno State and obviously Hawaii. They are already in California. They've been here. They've been practicing at a high school in Southern California. I have no idea where, but they're already here. And then you have LSU next weekend, which is just going to be a madhouse at the Rose Bowl. I hope they fill the thing. And I'm worried about how many LSU fans are going to be there. But if UCLA doesn't win that game, obviously against LSU, I'm not going to be surprised. I'll tell you, I'll confide in you this, Jason. 
as someone who loves the Bruins, works with them a little bit, I feel like UCLA is going to lose in heartbreaking fashion to LSU. You heard it right here. And, and I hate to say it, but I feel like that's what it's going to amount to. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I am envisioning. <laughs> oh, oh, my fault. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Are, oh, are you watching Wake Forest football highlights? Is that uh, hey, is that what's putting hey, you to sleep? Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, two drink minimum. Yes. When we come back, Philip Rivers, smack talking in high school. Jason Martin here on the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. This is the Jason Martin Show. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. Little Red Hot Chili Peppers for you here to finish the third hour of four of the program. Philip Rivers, St. Michael Catholic, head coach in Alabama now. He's 1 0. Won their opener 49 to nothing. He says it's the process and makes it awesome. Tonight was special. Shoot. I'm looking over and dad's standing on the track. Mom's in the stands. My boys are spotting the ball. My brother is here coaching. It was that kind of night. First off, I stop and I see my boys are spotting the ball. I'm like, hey, your boys are spotting the ball. You probably got three of them in the uh, concession stand. You got two or three of them as water boys for either team. You got four or five actually in the office doing something for the principal because you do have a lot of kids. But the first thing I started thinking about here was, all right, it's 49 nothing. 
Imagine the G-slash-PG-rated smack talk from Phillip Rivers to the opposing coach and how easy it might be to get a coach into real trouble in high school for responding with, let's just say, not PG smack talk in retaliation to Rivers. Like, we know what the language is in the NFL. We, we get it. We're not naive here. We didn't just fall off a truck. But in the NFL, you know, you're going to say what you're going to say. But imagine Phillip Rivers, the way he used to get under NFL skins, doing the same thing to high school coaches where I'm pretty sure a lot less is tolerated. Think about that for a second. Because Rivers is never going to get flagged because the smack talk is never going to be more than the same kind of thing you would have seen on like the Muppet show. And I love Philip Rivers. I've said this many times. And I love the fact that this is how he talks. But he's slicing you to ribbons with like old town homespun but G-rated. Like your parents could have taken you to see Philip Rivers at the movie theater when you were eight. And felt good about it. Even my parents, like when I was being protected from all sorts of language and stuff, like I could have seen the Philip Rivers movie when I was like seven. But that dude is also just cutting your face off and his team beat you 49 to nothing. I would love to hear, we probably won't, but I would love to hear the smack talk from Coach Rivers to coach anybody else during however long this high school thing goes. Now, it may go for a while because it's what he wanted to do for a long time after his career ended and his father, he's following his father's footsteps where he was a a big-time coach for a long time, Steve Rivers. But I do want you to think about that. Like the smack talk stories that we always heard and how irritating Philip Rivers was to deal with and all this other kind of stuff. Now he's in high school with that same smack talk where the players hear worse during the day from just random people in class than they hear from the coach. But the other coach is going to say nasty stuff. And that dude might get fined or suspended or who knows what. That might be a major secret weapon for St. Michael Catholic. Fourth hour of the show is coming up next. A whole lot still to come here on the Jason Martin Show on FSR. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. What's happening? I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Final hour of the program here. On this Saturday, early morning. Hope you're well, wherever you are. Ricky, Chris, and Brian, that's the trifecta spinning the dials radio style for me out in L.A. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. Justin Fields is actually going to be here in town today. He's going to play the whole first half, I think, uh, against the Tennessee Titans. It actually makes me wish I could go to that game and spend the time with family, but I'll be watching it, certainly, since I'll be talking about it a lot over the next handful of days. But got me thinking about interesting things, like interesting teams in the league. As we're less than two weeks away from the first game of the NFL regular season. 
and just teams that I'm fascinated to watch. And, and I do want to watch Justin Fields. I'm very fascinated to watch individual players, certainly. I think, like, I think here's the question I would ask. What team other than your team are you most intrigued to watch? Are you, do you, are you keeping an eye on? And there could be a number of different ways you could go with this, but I kind of want it to be more than, well, they're in my division, so I'm watching this other team because they could be a threat. No, I, I mean, something just intrigues you from afar. I think there's several candidates here. I think you could talk about the Browns, perhaps. How are they going to follow up what they did last year? They have the hype again a little bit this year, but they've handled it seemingly better than they did the first time they had hype two years ago. But this is a big year for Mayfield to try and prove he's worth more than 25 to $28 million, which some executives believe is the max that the Browns should offer him. Or is there going to be a letdown there? And there's, I think there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of scenarios that are similar to that, but I think that's the top one. I think looking at Philadelphia, whether or not Jalen Hurts can be the guy. I mean, you can look at those kind of scenarios. Dallas, because it's Dallas, there's a lot of hype behind them. Are they overhyped? Is Dak okay? Is Zeke going to return to form? What's the three-headed monster going to look like a wide receiver this year? With a better offensive line, what, what can Prescott do if he is healthy? Like, all of that is there. How does Buffalo fill, follow up last season? I think the Packers are certainly in that mix because Aaron Rodgers created such a firestorm, such a maelstrom around him during the offseason that now it's just like, all right, now what are you going to do? Are you good enough to, to just back up all of all the crap that just got spun around and get yourself back and maybe win a Super Bowl? Can Tampa do what Tampa did? They brought everybody back, so the expectations are sky high. Is it going to be a fall-off for the Chiefs? Have teams figured Lamar Jackson out? He says no. I mean, there's storylines across the league. I think the team that has my attention most, other than the one that I cover here in Tennessee and Nashville and the one that I've been a fan of my whole life in Denver, the one that I'll be watching with the most intrigue this year, is the L.A. Rams. And it's because we're finally, I think, going to get an answer to whether or not Stafford is as good as we think he might have been and how much of his futility, how much of his mediocrity in terms of results has been a product of being a lion. There are so many wild opinions on Stafford from he might be the best arm talent, one of the five best arm talents of all time and all this, to he's vastly overrated. And I think that just makes for a fascinating study. I'll watch every Rams game I can find because I absolutely want to know. Because I'm on the side that I think Stafford's good. And I think that the Rams certainly think he's good. The Rams do not believe in future assets. The the Rams are not playing for five years down the road. Rams are going for broke right now. When's the last time they made a first-round pick, and when's the next time they're going to make one? I think it's 2025 will be the next one they make. 
because of this deal to acquire Stafford. They go get Sony Michelle to add depth after losing Cam Akers. They've still got their wide receivers, but they upgrade at quarterback, they believe, from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. But it's not like Goff was running a 5-11 and football team. Like, his stats weren't gaudy, but how many more wins is Matthew Stafford actually going to be worth than Jared Goff on a Rams team that was winning a bunch of games? This all comes down to not just what Stafford can do in the regular season, but what can Matthew Stafford do in the postseason? If you get back to the postseason and you're the Rams, and you go out and you lose in a wildcard round, for example, because you don't win the division, and maybe they do, but that's the best division in football. I could see everybody but Arizona winning it, and the main reason I can't see Arizona winning it is because I don't believe in the coach. The talent is there, I think, on the roster, potentially. I don't know if it's, uh, if it's across the board, but they've got a lot of skill talent. But if Stafford just gets back to the playoffs and they lose in the wild card, that's a failure for the Rams, and it's all going to be attached to him. Like, McVay has kind of dodged a lot of critique. Goff took the brunt of all of it, all the failure. So you ship Goff off to Detroit. Whatever Goff does in Detroit is just not going to be paid attention to, probably. But back with the Rams, who's going to take... Who's going to take the the blame here if it doesn't go well? I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying that's what makes this so interesting. Amidst a lot of great storylines across the league, I could give you a reason to watch almost every team in the league. Almost every team. But I think the Rams are just relentlessly fascinating because we're we're going to get an answer to a question about a quarterback we've watched for a long time. Look, there's what was a, one of the lead stories on ESPN all week long was Stafford and Seth Wickersham. And Stafford being quoted as saying, you know, it's tough to live in a world where you've been doing this for almost a decade and now you're, you're ready to find out if you're actually good at it or not. That is an incredible statement. How good is Stafford and how far can he take the Rams past where Goff took them, because Goff took them to a Super Bowl where they lost to a Brian Flores and Bill Belichick defensive masterpiece. There was only one guy that scored a touchdown in that game. Know who he was? Sonny Michelle. You know who he plays for now? The Rams. So McVay has, you know, McVay has the name. Woods, Cup. And the talent there at Higby, like the guys that they have in terms of skill talent at the receiver position, you've always liked. So it was always Jared Goff's fault. Always. He didn't he didn't get that much credit when it was going right, but he got absolutely mutilated when it went wrong. So what happens with Stafford? Does Stafford go out and throw five thousand yards? I don't think so. Does he throw four thousand? I think that the expectation is he he is going to. McVay's offense runs certainly differently than a lot of what he's used to in Detroit. And even though I like those receivers, I mean, he doesn't have a Calvin Johnson there. He may not even have a Kenny Galladay there. But probably right around that, I would say. Because I think Woods is a, is a great player, and I think Cup is too. But who's more interesting than that? What is more interesting than that? 
a quarterback that you have gotten to see and you've seen a lot of stats, but a lot of it has been explained away as garbage numbers, late in games, um, bad decisions that if you've watched it, he's made bad decisions, holds the ball too long, you know, whatever, whatever the knock might be. Now he does not have the insurance of playing for the Lions to buttress his career trajectory and how it's seen. Matthew Stafford is actually playing for his legacy. Whatever that legacy is going to be, he's playing for it this year. And you think about championship windows. I told you, the Rams don't believe in future assets, and I don't believe in the concept of championship windows anymore. It's something I've used a lot, and now I'm just like, I don't know about the championship window here. Like, because I don't know what's going to change between this year and next. Nothing is certain. So you have to go for broke now. If you think you can win, then you go do whatever it is that you have to do to put yourself over the top to win. If it costs you a little bit down the road, that's okay. I think you would trade a championship or going for it from just being 11 and 5, 12 and 4 every year for a decade. That might be that might feel consistent, but it also feels soul crushing when you lose multiple Super Bowls in a row or you never make a Super Bowl despite what you're doing in the regular season, all that kind of stuff. But Stafford, like I said, Stafford's not replacing a terrible quarterback that couldn't win. The Rams were in the playoffs last year. The Rams have maybe the best cornerback in football, unless you want to put Howard there. They've got the best defensive player in football in Aaron Donald. And they've got a coach that the bloom has not fallen off that rose. And so it's like, all right, well, just give McVay a real quarterback. So here's a real quarterback. Here's Stafford. Here's first-round draft picks to get Matthew Stafford. Stafford going to a place he's familiar with in terms of the part of the country. And yeah, maybe this is going to work. And this guy's got all the talent in the world. And watch what he does with this offense. Well, we're going to see. But it would be a lot easier and there would be a lot less pressure if Matthew Stafford were replacing a four-win quarterback and he's not. I'm not saying Jared Goff is Tom Brady. I'm just saying that the Rams haven't been a bad football team at all once McVay took over with Goff as a quarterback. There was a ceiling to Jared Goff, I think, was the problem. And the ceiling was still not quite where you needed to be, although with the right system and the right health and things like that, the Rams nearly won that Super Bowl. That year, I mean, they they nearly won the Super Bowl that year. They certainly were not close to winning that Super Bowl in that game because the Patriots dominated them defensively. But what is more interesting than the Matthew Stafford story this year with the Rams? I mean, we're less than two weeks away, and there's a lot of fascinating stuff. Like I said, I laid them out just off the top of my head. I don't have anything written down. I couldn't read it anyway right now after eye surgery. But I have continued to think, and I, the, the one team outside of the one that I cover and the one that I love that I've not been able to shake thinking about is the Rams. In a league full of storylines, that's top flight for me. Because I can go back, as I've done it before, on shows just like this one, and read you Matthew Stafford's career stats, and they're absolutely outstanding. In terms of like yardage numbers and all of that kind of stuff. But 
what does it necessarily mean? What does it what does it lead to? What has it meant? I mean, for his career, he's 74, 90, and 1. He's thrown for 45,000 plus in his career. He's thrown for 280 plus touchdowns in his career. And what has it amounted to? And now he's going to a team that already won. So the only way this works is if he takes them deep into the playoffs and that separates him from golf. Maybe he makes it easier to win because they're putting up more points consistently and he's better in the pocket and these kinds of things. But he's also older and there's a lot of pressure on him and I know he knows it. He seems to be a really good dude. Good family life, all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot weighing on him. There has to be. Because the expectation is the Rams were a quarterback away. And the reason why that's the expectation is because that's how they negotiated this deal. You don't make the deal that they made to acquire Matthew Stafford if you don't believe we get that guy, we win the Super Bowl. That's it. You're not doing that to go 12 and 4 and now 12 and 5 or 13 and 4. You're not, you're not doing that to make it to the second week of the playoffs. You're doing that because you think that's enough to to compete with Tampa, that's enough to compete with Green Bay, to win the division, and to finally finish the job that almost got done a couple of years ago. That's how he's going to be judged. That's sort of unenviable unless you're an athlete that believes in yourself. I don't know that I'm as high on Stafford. I know I'm not as as high on Stafford as those that say he's you know, one of the five best quarterbacks that ever lived, but I'm not down on him either. I'm closer to the high side. I think this is going to work, but I'll be tuned in every Sunday. I don't think I'm going to be alone in that either. And maybe you hadn't thought about it, but I think it's the most interesting team in football this year because it's either the biggest upgrade we've ever seen or it's the biggest hype job that we've ever seen or certainly in recent memory in this league. We'll be back with a whole lot more. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Jason Martin Show here. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. Jane's addiction, Chris. That's right. Three days. Sounds a little different than a lot of Jane's addiction stuff. Yeah, this is, uh, what is this? This is one of their older ones. Uh, Ritual de los Habitual. I can't, I can't say it. It's on de la Habitual. It's on Habitual, yeah. Yeah. It's good. I'm feeling it. Um, how would you answer that question, Chris, the one I posed to open this hour? The team other than yours that you're most interested in, that you find most intriguing this year? Hmm. Let me think on that a second. I know I, I thought you were about to bring me in on Stafford. So, well, I mean, maybe that's the answer. Like that's it's, my answer. I'm I, just I I'm think, I'm very interested to see how this I, works. I think the Rams are going to be great no matter what this year, just because of that defense. We're talking right. about top defense from last year. I think you're right in that Stafford. He's he's like Schrodinger's quarterback. You're going to see whatever you mm. want to see in Stafford at this point. It's either. He's, you know, always going to falter in the playoffs or he's going to be, you know, good and just put up a bunch of stats. I think the most interesting for me is if I had to pick one, if I had to pick one team out of all of them besides the Lions, which I want to watch a lot of Lions, but I'd like to watch some other teams right. too. I I, I want to do a toss up between... So this is rough for me because, like, I know the Bills and the Ravens are going to be good. I think I've got questions if Jared Allen can keep doing it, and I want to see if he can keep doing it over there. I mean, Josh, J- Allen. Josh Allen, excuse me. Um, and I just like watching the Chiefs out of principle. But I feel like if there's any team that's at a weird crossroad, it's the Miami Dolphins because hmm. they've put a lot of talent there, and yet mm-hmm. I still don't know who Tua is. I think if you're asking me, most interesting team early season is probably the Dolphins, but then later in as the year goes on, I will probably change my answer, and it'll probably become the Baltimore Ravens, because I feel like the Ravens, that's that's a division that is probably theirs for the taking. I think Browns and Steelers are going to be good teams, but I think the Ravens are a head and shoulder above them. I want to see how Lamar Jackson plays this year. I, I, I kind of agree. I don't think he's going to be quote unquote figured out this year. I do think he needs to do more pocket passing. He's got the weapons to do it now. And their defense will be stout and interesting. It's going to be a question of when, you, when I look at the Ravens, will I see a playoff team that can beat the AFC or at the very least get to a showdown with the Chiefs? Because that's that's where I feel like we've been angling for is we want to just see them getting in more tussles with the Chiefs and eventually if the Ravens can pull ahead of the Chiefs and 
oh, hey, look, they they play the Chiefs week two in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I'm, my hottest take, I think, of the year is that the Ravens aren't making the playoffs. Um, I think with seven teams, they have a much better shot to do it. But And I don't really know why, because I'm about to say the say something in defense of the Ravens here, which is based off the deal we saw a couple of days ago where some teams had said, hey, you know, we this is the year we figured Lamar Jackson out. And Lamar Jackson said, I s- seriously doubt that. There is a difference between figuring someone out and being able to do something about it. And I don't necessarily think the statement itself is incorrect, but I also think what Lamar Jackson is saying is accurate. While Lamar Jackson is never going to be mistaken for Drew Brees in terms of like that level of accuracy, he's also not Tim Tebow. They haven't had great weapons, and I'm not sure they still, I'm not sure they have them now. In terms of receivers I'm talking about here. But you can figure Lamar Jackson out and still not be able to do anything about it. Like, I I generally know what Steph Curry is going to do, but that's a lot different than actually being able to stop Steph Curry. I, I know what makes Kevin Durant great, but I still am not tall enough to do anything about it. That's the problem here when you're dealing with the Ravens and just a statement of, yeah, this is the year we figured Lamar Jackson out. Okay, you figured him out, but who was fast enough to get to him? Like, how how exactly are you going to stop him? Like, the Titans in the playoffs a couple of years ago gave some teams a blueprint, they followed it, and they did slow it down a little bit. But you don't just figure Lamar Jackson out in terms of that all of a sudden meaning, okay, we know what he's going to do, and so now he's going to have five yards. Like, that's never going to happen. You can know what he's going to do and still not be able to stop it. That's one of the most demoralizing things in all of sports. He is dynamic as a playmaker. He's dynamic as a runner. Look, you go back to, I talked about the Titans game from two years ago. How about the wildcard game this past year where they lost to Baltimore? Where, yeah, you knew what Lamar was going to do, and you bottled him up for a couple of times, but then there were a few times when he was Lamar Jackson and put a cape on and came out of a phone booth, and that was a wrap. That's the issue. So when Lamar says, I doubt it, I think he's right, because it's like, yeah, you might have figured me out, but that doesn't mean you can stop me, because who exactly is going to do it? A lot of teams can't. Some can, but those are ones that already have been. You. This is a guy you try to slow down, not completely shut down. And the easiest way to beat Lamar Jackson, it does seem like, is to demoralize him early. Because it's not a team where all of a sudden in the second half they just take off like gangbusters. When you, if you can just get them down, and and make them feel like they're playing out of sludge a little bit for the first quarter and a half, a lot of times you can have Baltimore. Because the one thing that is true of Lamar Jackson is he wears his emotions on his sleeve. Because if you've ever listened to a press conference of his, he always says the quiet part out loud. I think it's a very it's a it's a charming quality. It's a it's a nice quality. It's a good quality. Might not be what you want your pro athlete to have. Because he he often just says the thing he doesn't need to say. 
that actually is just like, yeah, you know, we got beat because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like, hey, you probably need that. And just there were moments where you can feel like he even acts like his confidence was shaken and he was a little bit rattled by something that happened. And he tells you about it. And most athletes, nope, 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 no, nope. you know what? I didn't execute. It wasn't what they did. It's what I didn't do. And Lamar Jackson's like, no, that's what they did. They they had us, man. We thought we we thought we had them, but uh, you know what? We were wrong, and we got our butts kicked because of that. Like that kind of thing. So he does wear his emotions on his sleeve, but I think that's also the way he plays. And so that might be the way you get him, because that's the way he's lost a lot of those games, is if you can just beat him down early, he does kind of get down. He doesn't sometimes he can't get out of first gear. As long as you can keep him from getting onto a straightaway early and then just fast and furiousing that thing all the way through. Chris? Yeah, I was gonna say it feels like that's very, you know, when we're talking about early Cam Newton, kind of mid yes. mid career Cam Newton, same thing. Yes. And Cam, I think I think this is where the figured out thing comes from because the famous example, I don't think anyone ever figured out Cam is just Cam Newton eventually just couldn't keep doing it. And you watch him in preseason with the Patriots and he looks good, but he's not doing it as like Cam Newton Superman for the first down, but he's playing from the pocket and throwing really sharp. But the biggest example we ever had of figuring someone out was Cam Newton in the Super Bowl with the Broncos. Yes. Where they shut him down. But I think more to your credit, I mean, I mean, to what you're saying there. That wasn't them figuring out Cam Newton in as much as doing exactly what you're saying teams want to do to Lamar Jackson is both guys wear their emotions on their sleeves. You get them down early. It'll get them in their moods and you can just take advantage from there because once they're in a hole, either by scheme or by attitude, they're just not going to be they don't have good chance of coming out of that hole. That's, that's right. That's something Lamar Jackson probably needs to work on, along with uh, along with getting getting passes downfield. Like, yeah, that's that's always been the the problem with Lamar right now. Yes, I mean the cam point is is exactly right because Denver hit him in the mouth, dirty in some cases, I would admit, and say you know, when you go back and look at it, there were some there were some rough hits. They came at him with everything they had. And they asked him to stand up to it. What was the way you get to Tom Brady? If you get to Tom Brady, you can get Tom Brady. You can lead to a meme of him sitting on the field, looking down at the ground like a child. Lamar Jackson, if you can punch him in the mouth early, him coming back is not as likely. Not because because their 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 entire structure is dependent upon getting up on you and then just choking the life out of you like a boa constrictor. When it comes to Lamar, if you can slow him down early, you can get him down on himself, and that's how you beat him. That's not me saying that I figured Lamar Jackson out in terms of me being able to stop him. It's just me saying, if you go back and you look at the games that they have lost, that's how you generally beat Lamar Jackson. The problem is, that's not very easy to do. Because if you notice, one of the things that I said was if you can get to Lamar Jackson early. And that's an important set of words spoken by me. If you can get to Lamar Jackson early. Getting to Lamar Jackson 
is the trick of the entire thing. If you can get up on them, make them play from behind, stop them for a couple of drives, yes. And that involves also probably actually sacking Lamar Jackson, taking him down, making him feel a helmet to the shoulder, to the ribs, something like that. There's a lot of people who can't do that. The statement, we figured him out, I figured him out too. He's really fast. He's super athletic. He's damn near a superhero on a football field. I figured him out. I, I know what makes him great. That's When I think of, oh, you figured him out. Figured him out is looked at as some kind of a negative. I just look at it as, oh no, I know exactly what that guy's about. But there's been enough film on him now. Like, if you were going to figure him out and be able to completely shut him down, everybody would have done it by now. There is a blueprint that is out there, but a lot of it hinges on what you can do to him in the first 20 minutes of a football game. And that's not new. Like, that's not something that would have been learned this offseason. Which is why you've got Lamar Jackson saying, yeah, I seriously doubt that you figure me out. Because he's looking at figured me out the other way around. And I think it may have been said the other way around. I'm trying to give it new meaning. I think we've all figured Lamar Jackson out. He is a top-notch football player, an all-time great athlete, maybe, maybe the most dynamic we've ever seen as a quarterback. He's scintillating. You want to watch every single play because of what he might be able to do with it. And yeah, that's me figuring out Lamar Jackson. And he can pass better than people thought he was going to be able to when he got out of college because they underrated his arm at Louisville. That's me figuring him out. Now how do I stop it? The other thing I can figure out, and I will mention this, I can figure Greg Roman out because I've seen that movie before in multiple spots. And... Speaking of spots, a leopard doesn't change his, and Greg Roman never seems to change what he's doing. That was the thing that I didn't like about Baltimore last year. In fact, it's not Lamar Jackson. It's Greg Roman. That's the reason that I don't feel great about Baltimore having a good year this year. Not because I don't believe in the quarterback. It's because I don't believe in Greg Roman with that quarterback. Because that thing does have a shelf life because we've seen that in San Francisco and in other locations. He can be a a short-term genius and then it gets real mediocre real fast. And so him being back just makes me wonder. It's like, are we going to get some wrinkles this year? I know you got I know you drafted a couple of guys, but you didn't end up with the big free agent wide receivers that you were looking for. So so what are we going for here? Sammy Watkins, is that gonna be the answer? Really? Speaking of Lamar Jackson, I doubt it. Speaking like Lamar Jackson, I should say. But yeah, figuring him out is one thing. Doing something with that information is a far different thing. Let's go to Finley one more time and hopefully avoid talking about UCLA. (laughs) Finley in LA, what's going on? So Lamar Jackson went to Louisville. There is no Louisville on the college football schedule, which does kick off today, week zero. And Jason, in less than eight hours, it all starts. Nebraska at Illinois. 
It will be on Fox Television, and that one will begin at 1.20 p.m. Eastern Time. And then later on in the day, guess what we have? You mentioned the school's name. UCLA will be hosting Hawaii at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, and Jason will be... Firmly asleep oh by then. Actually, I think I'll be glued to the television watching this UTEP and New Mexico State game that comes up later on. I'm a big on... Miners fan. <laughs> you are, yes. So we have that to look forward to. There's also an assortment of NFL preseason games later today. There were some on Friday. One of them was Patrick Mahomes with a perfect passer rating, and he showed out two touchdown passes, one to Tyreek Hill, who just showed that ultra super speed as he was able to buzz by a defender and get into the end zone from 35 yards out. The Chiefs win over the Vikings 28-25. to The Jets tie it with the Eagles at 31 thanks to a Hail Mary. Sam Darnold with two touchdown passes and he's strutting out there and he did it against the Steelers second stringers. The Panthers prevail 34-9. Dwayne Haskins got the start underwhelmed for Pittsburgh so Ben Roethlisberger had the night off. 9 of 16 passing for Haskins, one touchdown and one interception. Sam Ellinger, a man who is looking to take that potential week one starting QB position for the Colts, went down with an injury, a knee issue yesterday in a 27-17 victory against the Lions. And Frank Reich, head coach for the Colts, said it did not look good, but did not expound upon what exactly the prognosis is, or the diagnosis, and how long Ellinger, Ellinger, that is, might be out. Just a couple notes from baseball. The final game to wrap up on Friday went into 12 innings, and the Royals demonized the Mariners 8-6 in 12. Edward Olivares had a two-run jack in the top of the 12th inning. The Rockies stick it to the Dodgers 4-2, and there were three home runs hit by Colorado. The Padres, who have been on this slide, trying to turn things around. Maybe this is a start. A 5-0 victory against the Angels. The Yankees, after being the butt of a lot of jokes earlier in the summer, have turned things around themselves. 13 games in a row they have won against the A's. This one was an 8-2 victory for New York over Oakland. And finally, the Twins best the Brewers 2-0. Josh Donaldson had a two-run home run to provide the only offense in the game. Jason, did you say you're going to that Titans contest or you're going to be watching it from your comfortable couch, I'm sure? I'm going to be watching it from the house. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm still trying to get past the uh, PRKI surgery that I had, so I'll be watching it from home. The, apparently, this, the ticket prices are actually pretty high, which oh, wow. indicates uh, people want to see fields because third preseason game i mean if you're going to a titans game you're saving up for the regular season to see julio and aj and all of that stuff you're not you're not necessarily there for matt barkley yeah but i do think people want to see justin fields play i do like that actually made me want to go well Jason, I think you mentioned to me a couple weeks ago that you used to pay top dollar to see Charlie Whitehurst. That is clipboard who, Jesus, yeah, man. You were all over those preseason games. You wanted to watch him and how he held the clipboard, where he positioned it, how he walked up and down the sideline. Important things to note. I'd rather watch that than UCLA. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just taking shots. I actually don't have anything against UCLA other than they're. They, they got some Tennessee players. Uh, speaking of Nashville, they got a couple guys on the roster who are from Tennessee. One of their running backs, Keegan Jones, he might get a couple opportunities, a couple handoffs his way. And then you've got 
David Akers, you remember the kicker? Yep. His son is on the Bruins, and Luke was going to high school in Tennessee. So you got a couple... Maybe that'll give you a rooting interest, or maybe it won't. David Akers' son, that's what you got for me? <laughs> yeah. That's my rooting interest? Potentially. Does that, does that correlate with you? I'm trying to find a way to make it resonate with you, because sports fans are only going to root for something if they have skin in the game, or they have a tie, or they have a connection. So how can I stretch? And I'm definitely like stretch Armstronging right now. Yeah, well, you don't have to do anything just because it's college football and I want to watch it. So when I do wake up, because when I go home, I go to bed after this show. But when I wake up, it will be college football. Even though those games aren't all that enticing, I don't care because it's college football. So UCLA will be watched. Part of it, at least. I look forward to hearing what you think about it. Yeah, I'm sure I'll break that down. I'll probably lead the show with it next week. Look all right, Finley. All right, <laughs> okay. brother. We'll be back to put the uh, finishing touches on the Jason Martin show uh, when we come back. Um, college football is here. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also, Josh Allen. He ranks top 10 in the NFL Top 100. Is that a little bit high, or is that fair? We'll discuss a bit when we come back. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Finishing up this edition of the Jason Martin Show. Four hours almost in the books. I'm Jason Martin. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, on Twitter at jmartradio. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. That's really good. Discover's now accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards, pretty much everywhere. So get one in your wallet now. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. College football today. Excited. Our long national nightmare is over. It's time. We got five football games. Are they super exciting? No. But does it matter? Not really. We're still going to have them on. I'm going to have them on in the background. Am I going to pay attention like to every snap? Probably not. That'll be next week. But we're getting there. NFL Top 100 was released. And this is an NFL network where the players are ranking. It's like D-linemen are, are kind of put on there by O-linemen and stuff like that. 20... Dalvin Cook, 19, Buda Baker, 18, Deshaun Watson, if he plays, 17, Xavier Howard, 16, Miles Garrett, 15, Tyree Kill, 14, Alvin Kamara, 13, Jalen Ramsey, 12, Russell Wilson, 11, Stephon Diggs, and then you get to 10. And in the top 10 is Josh Allen. And I just asked this question. Is that a little bit much? Now, he was a borderline MVP candidate. This is voted on by players. It's tabulated through players. I look at Stephon Diggs being 11 and Josh Allen being in the top 10 as, okay, it's quarterback, so they're going to be there. But what was the biggest difference last year in Josh Allen from the year before? Was it his play or was it his wide receiver one? I would argue that the biggest single acquisition that was made by anybody last year, outside of Tom Brady to Tampa Bay, was Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. That set the stage for everything. That unlocked 
the killer app inside of Josh Allen. I'm not even saying Josh Allen should necessarily be taken out of the top 10, even though I think he's more a top 20 player than a top 10 player if you're looking across the league at, at the best players and you're not just saying it's all quarterbacks. Russell Wilson at 12, would you put Josh Allen above Russell Wilson now? Probably I could go with that. I think the only difference I would make actually, potentially, even though I think like a Miles Garrett or something like that could be a top 10 player, and I think if TJ Watts in the top 10, Miles Garrett should be as well, but you only have 10 slots, I get that. But you've got Adams, you got Hopkins in the top 10, and I agree with those. But I think I'd put Diggs there and would knock Allen down. Because I think it's Diggs that made Allen more than the reverse because I've seen Diggs do it in Minnesota also. It's not like Diggs... uh, I'm sure Diggs did benefit from Allen, but Diggs also had quarterbacks in Minnesota. And the knock there was... Or if you wanted to knock him, it was like, well, he's just part of this great tandem with Adam Thielen. And then he leaves and Thielen's really good, so you know that. But Justin Jefferson comes in and he's really good. But Stephon Diggs goes and he's no question number one because it's Cole Beasley that's number two. That's not exactly Adam Thielen. No offense to Cole Beasley. He's a pretty good player, but he's not Adam Thielen. But Stephon Diggs had the most yards in the league last year, right? Him and Adams and Hopkins were the consensus best three wide receivers in the league, whatever order you wanted to put them in. And at different times, I think you could have shifted the order. I had Diggs as the best at one point. I think Adams probably by the end of the year I had him. I think I would have Diggs in the top 10 over his quarterback. And that's weird because I, I do generally favor the quarterbacks. But the good news is, if you're Buffalo, you got two dudes now. You got your quarterback and your top wide receiver in the top 11 in the NFL's top 100, according to the players in that league. That'll work out. Enjoy the college football today. Enjoy Fox Sports Radio for the rest of the morning. I know Anthony's coming up next. You'll enjoy that. I'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.